Welcome to another episode of Origin Story. I am one of your hosts, Grayson Maxwell. And I'm your other host, Brandon Boring. Brandon, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Uh, doing good, doing good. You know, work's coming along on my uh, musical I'm directing, Second to Sherlock, here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so that's been keeping me pretty busy. That's why it's been a minute since we recorded. Uh, yeah, How's that going, by the way? You, you were telling me before we started shooting yes. about everything is coming together. Yeah, it's going good. Uh, so we have the, basically the whole show learned for the actors, so they know all their, the blocking, the choreography. So for them, at this point, we have a couple weeks where we're just doing runs and, and working on stuff and diving deep into character and finding all the little nuances you want. Uh, and then uh, coming up here in the next few weeks, we have this sort of uh, extra stuff they have to do, like the set builds coming up. Uh, uh, we have one next weekend and the weekend after that. Uh, so we got to, you know, with a play, it's interesting. You know, we can't just leave it permanently set up. We're moving into a theater space. We have, you know, the week before our show. So we got to sort of build a lot of stuff off site and then using the shop uh, in the theater uh, the week before. So we're going to, you know, we got to move it all in and then get it set up uh, in quick order. It's it's pretty interesting to watch it when it's when it's well oiled. And that's just working on the logistics of that now is where my brain's kind of running in the background. Um, you know, but very excited. Always really exciting when I get to this part of it. I'm starting to see the show that was in my head uh, live in front of me. So so I, I'm, I'm excited, ready to go. The cast is all doing great, sounding great. Uh, we're doing a lot of, finding a lot of cool stuff in the text. I'm liking it. That's really cool. So, so I mean, that's you just said that's that's always in the background of your mind. You're always thinking about it. That's that's really quite an undertaking. Even for how would you say your production is a smaller production or medium? Oh uh, yeah, it's it, yeah. This it's a nonprofit organization that is producing it. Uh, this is not like a large equity scale thing. Uh, so you know the actors, they're they're like small stipends involved. Like you know the production staff, we're getting stipends, but it's you know it is it is a community theater thing. It's not a professional. You know, I mean, people pay for it, and you now we're getting paid small stipends. But yeah, it is not some equity union, uh, you know, full scale show. Uh, but you know, that's that's just how these things start. You know, that you know, some shows, you know, they made it to Broadway, started as little community things and coffee shops, and you know, Hades Town famously started as this little, uh, you know, family band thing. They booked, I think, like a middle school auditorium and and put it up for the first time, and it just kept touring and growing from there. So that's really cool, man. That's tell, to talk talk to me for one second about one of the sets you're you're having built for the show like the is it like simple is it complicated what's what's going uh, well on? it's it is basically one set for the whole show because what, what when with with a musical like this we go to a couple locations uh with the space we're dealing with it's a black box theater that means it's just kind of a rectangular space it's a thrust so they're at their audience on three sides of the stage and the the action's happening on the floor and in, in between the three so it's kind of a rectangle with three on the side um, so we don't have a lot of fly space or wing space, you know, it, it, like I said, it's a, it's a budget production, so we don't have, you know, we can't automate set pieces moving in and out. So we have to, uh, you know, work within your budget is what you want to do. I always say you want to do what you can well, don't do a poor imitation of what you would do if you had a bunch of money. Uh, so we're going more stylized. Uh, a big set piece takes place on a bridge, so I know I needed a bridge. So we're building sort of a central set piece unit that lives on the stage. Uh, that has this this bridge, sort of a tunnel for entrances underneath it, and then the top we have the bridge for the action piece. There's a door on one side of it for when we have scenes that, that take place indoors. We have a door that serves as sort of multiple doors, and then a, a lower platform to kind of give us some visual levels for different things in the scene, and also gives us some real estate for when people are sort of wandering the streets of London, so they're not just standing on the ground. Then you know they can go up this sort of scaffolding unit and around this whole central set piece. Uh, that they have and then things get wheeled in so like when we're in someone's apartment the apartment is you know an area rug and a couple high back chairs in the center of the the ground space and you know the audience it, with live theater the audience goes there you can be a lot more 
uh, suggestive of your location. You know, we go to a classroom and a chalkboard wheels in and blocks the tunnel. So now like, okay, well now we're just in an enclosed space and there's a big chalkboard there. Uh, it's those kind of things. The audience is really willing in a, th in a live theater uh, realm to, to go there with very small suggestions of where you physically are. That's really cool. And it just what brought to mind was the, um, I rewatched Hamilton on Disney plus again. Mm -hmm. And that stage is always one that kind of was awesome to me. I mean, recently since I've seen Hamilton, but it, yes. it was just, it's like, it's like a rotating stage that they've built kind of the main stage on the outside, but the inside kind of rotates and like, it just rotates to make different setups. And like, I just think that was so clever of a, of a, uh, of a setup and it's just, uh, man. It just oh yeah. The direction on Hamilton's amazing. Uh, turntables are kind of the, the, the hotness on Broadway right now. I mean, Hadestown famously has a, a turnstile on their table. Hadestown also the center of it, the center circle is an elevator that can go up above the stage and also lower down. So people can come and disappear and appear from the center of the turntable. It's really cool. Um, that yeah, that's something cool, a lot man. of theaters are doing now uh, with that. You'll have to keep us updated. We might get one more episode in before that debuts. That's on. That's in December, right? Yep, the third through the eleventh is the, cool. the the time in Columbus, Ohio. So look it up. Second to Sherlock with Imagine Productions. <laughs> you know, it's funny. The third through the eleventh is the exact dates. I'm actually out of the country <laughs> doing something, or I would actually come see it. I'm sorry. That's I'm how we know we're it. safe. Like, all right, all right, Grace is out of the country. Let's do this. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that's good to hear that you're, that's, that's going well, man. You're going to have to keep us updated on that. That sounds really cool. Something that I might want to sink my teeth into one day is I've often tried writing. Um, I, I write scripts all the time. And I'm working on several, but I've often I've also tried writing from scripts on stage. And let me tell you, it's a very different writing medium also. I mean, I'm telling you something you already know, of course. But Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. You know, just the tools you have at your disposal and sort of the way that the text lays and works for an audience is entirely different on stage. I mean, that's why you can tell there, there are a lot of adaptations of plays and you can really tell if you're sitting there you're like, this is just kind of like two people sitting in a room for an hour. I'm like, okay, this, is, this was a play, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. So I did work on Fences. The mm -hmm. Denzel Washington, Viola Davis movie, the the first of August, the first to be adapted of August Wilson's plays. Yeah, and uh, see that was very much like you just said. I mean, there was entire chunks of like twenty minutes where it was just two people talking in a movie, and that's that's kind of like a you're you're really bordering on you're losing your audience completely. But it was very captivating the entire time. And I will tell you what, when I had to go to set because it was actually within walking distance of the production office, when mm -hmm. I had to go to set sometimes to. Um, to like take paperwork or get something signed and I would see and I would just hang around for a second to see a, a take of Denzel and Viola I, I would get towards the back so I could like w exit without making any noise or anyone like looking at me but yeah. watching those two off of each other is just it's just a rare treat that I'm just very thankful I got to see because I don't think many people have seen outside of people that work on movies with him or her I don't think many people have seen that <laughs> Yeah, it's well, Denzel, I'm pretty sure Denzel's done some Broadway work before. Oh, he has, yeah. and he he's doing that with the. I think the Coen Brothers are making it the the tragedy of Macbeth. Where oh yeah, film, it's also a very kind of a a play like structure. Yeah. So that's, that's one the thing. One like they they can still be captivating. It's just you can always if you're paying attention, you can always tell when something was a stage show that is now uh, yeah. uh, a movie. Well, that's cool. You have to keep a surprise on what's going on with that. That sounds really cool, man. Congratulations oh. early for that. Oh, yeah, Congratulations sure. early for, for for that being a huge success. Yeah, yeah. Now it's going to look real bad if everything comes <laughs> crashing down. Thanks a I'm lot. Sure, I'm sure it won't. You're, you're, you're a smart guy. You, you know what you're doing. So, All right. You have tuned in to the latest episode of Origin Story. It's a spinoff of the podcast that I, I am one of the hosts of. 
called For the Love of Cinema, where we are tasked every week with talking about the new releases a week after they've come out. And I very much enjoy doing that. However, lately I created this spinoff with a friend of mine growing up, Brandon Boring, who we just heard talk about his latest endeavor. We are going to dive into things that are not new and uh, things that we want to talk about. And uh, this week's topic is going to be Star Wars, the last three movies, which we've done. If you go on Podbean, you can find it on uh, December 18th, 2019. So 12, 18, 19 is when we did Star Wars part one. And we talk about the first, the first two trilogies, kind of what we loved about it, what we hated, in our opinion, why they worked, why they didn't work. And we got a little too a little bit about the new ones, but not much. So we siphoned it off into two parts. But this is the second part of that, now renamed, uh, now kind of folded into the spinoff series origin story. So with that said, Brandon, how how say you with your revisiting? Just really quickly re- revisiting the Star Wars episodes seven, eight, and nine. Uh, I enjoyed rewatching because I hadn't really watched any of them since nine had come out. Um, not that look ahead too much to my overall opinion but nine kind of took the 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 wind out of my sails there for watching the the new star wars movies um so i i enjoyed getting you know having a reason to go back and and watch them all uh and also it's the sort of thing where after you you know you see a movie for the first time and you watch it again you get to sort of you already know the basic shape of it so you can pay more attention to other little details you're not sort of just catching it all for the first time uh, and so on all of them, even the ones I had seen multiple times, it was nice to like, okay, I, I'm aware of sort of what's happening here so I can sort of pay attention to what I want and, and track different things as I'm watching the movie, especially knowing I was going to talk about them and having a rough idea as to, to our opinions on them and sort of like, okay, well, wh- why do I feel the way I do versus why, you know, why someone else might feel the way they do. Uh, so that was, that was a fun rewatch. If someone hasn't watched them in a while, I mean, chances are everyone has access to Disney Plus somehow. You can go ahead and watch them all. They're all on there. So um give them all a watch uh, even if it's been a minute for you i would say i agree and it's there i mean i, I also really enjoyed what i can I, I can separate my enjoyment from with movies for, for instance star wars i can separate my enjoyment from my my critical analysis i mean you and i were talking about before we started how a large portion of these three movies is just dumb caveman Ooh, i like e that kind yeah. of flashy light explosion yeah fight yeah I mean, a large part of that is, I think, kind of into the Star Wars narrative at this point, you know, baked into the Star Wars DNA. Because, I mean, oh, yeah. it is, it, it was never, I mean, it was made as a B-movie to begin with. It was a fun space adventure that yeah. I guess over the years was taken more seriously, I think, than it ever should have been. But that's kind of my take. Just that one statement there, I know is going to enrage a lot of people, and it's not my intent. It's just my personal take on Star Wars, how, I mean, you can... I know, Brandon, you and I have had so many discussions when we when we toiled the way the hours working in a movie theater <laughs> about about um, st- the origins of Star Wars and how it started, what the intent was to continue it. And it just I don't think you can f- completely disagree with that statement, but I, I don't think you completely agree with it either. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, it, you know, it started, you know, no one knew it was going to become the massive, you know, international phenomenon it is. And anyone who acts like, oh, no, from the beginning whatever you know even if he called it journal of the wills part nine you know what whatever claims he has to a large part i mean anyone who's written anything you know in the back of your mind especially anything that is like within an sort of epic genre in the back of your mind you think like oh well if the story goes on i might do this sort of thing and that sort of thing 
but you're still writing the one thing as the one thing. So Star Wars was what it was when it was made, and it was you know a fun sort of throwback uh, to the serial action adventure film, and and it's great. It's great as that. And then it was so popular, then it kind of became more as, as, you know, more parts got written and more mythology got added. And that's not bad. But then also, you know, it got bigger than any because you got to think of all the extended universe novels. I have friends who were very into a lot of the novels and like all the EU stuff. And we're like, OK, yeah, I know, you know, you know they go crazy about Thrawn. I, I know friends who will go on like 12 hour rants about Thrawn and, you know, the Zon novels and everything. So, uh it it took on a life bigger, but it, no one can deny its origin. I mean, even George Lucas in his most honest times, like, yeah, I was, you know, I thought I had bigger ideas if it went there, but it was just a, a fun movie I wanted to make. I that's interesting you bring up those novels because people are kind of ravenous about the, about the extended Star Wars uh, universe that for the I think for a large part stayed kind of out of the movies and never really found its way into because it just. There's a lot of content there. We're talking like th- how many books? Like forty books, maybe. More oh, so, so many books, and it's yeah. hard to say which ones were canon and which ones were not. Um, I know Clayton, our friend Clayton. You know, uh, he is. I he he is more authoritative than I. He hasn't read them all, um, but he basically tells me like, okay, these are like the four good ones that everyone agrees are like, okay, these should be considered canon. They're good. They make sense. They're the continuation. They're the best sort of continuation of the original movies that go in an interesting way and are written well uh but then there's so many that it's just kind of at a certain point i don't know what his license deal was but i imagine just like you want to pay me a bunch of money to put out a book sure why not i don't care sure so let's start with the origins here the may 25th 1977 a new hope is released theatrically um directed by george lucas of course produced by gary kurtz episode five the empire strikes back comes out a few years later kind of still under the i think creative guise of Lucas, but directed by Irvin Kershner, famously, I think, directed by Irvin Kershner, mm-hmm. and still produced by Gary Kurtz. Um, that, to me, is... You know, I heard something years and years ago when I was in school that The Empire Strikes Back is the quintessential American-made movie. I don't know if that still holds true today, but I can see how that can be true. I can also see how that's nah, not true at all. But I, mean, uh, I, I remember hearing that and reading about it. I mean, it. for my sensibilities, that sentence means nothing. Like, what... <laughs> It's like you know, it's not like there's an agreed textbook definition that universally we would recognize as the quintessential American-made movie. I mean, it seems like a fun quip to say, but I don't know what even the hell that means. If I'm being honest, no, I mean that's all. That's I've always rebelled against it. A because I was never huge on Star Wars, and 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 B, what does that mean? Because like, wouldn't that have to, by definition, go to Citizen Kane or one of the you know one of the always in the top three movies by the AFI or any any like film critics list? I mean, I'm not saying that film critics are right. I'm just saying. There are movies recognized that are always up front of the list of these are the best. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't it have to be one of those and not a Star Wars movie? But again, that's Matt, why I think I, it's such a, a nonsense thing. I might speak. be asking the wrong questions. Um, episode six, The Return of the Jedi, May 25th, 1983. So, 97, sorry, 77 to 83, six years uh, from the release of New Hope to release of Jedi. Uh, it was directed by Richard Marcond. Um, Famously, I think, written by Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas. I think Kasdan's going to have most of the credit on that one. Um, also kind of under the under the creative umbrella of Lucas here. I think by then he's realized, holy crap, I have this mega monolith under my belt that is mine, and I can pretty much steer this any way I want. Yep. Uh, those, I think, I don't think anyone's to argue about 
uh, if you separate the trilogy of the nine movies and the three trilogies, I don't think anyone's going to argue with you that the original trilogy is definitely the strongest and the most favorited by many by by fans and by audiences alike. For sure. Okay. I, I, was, I didn't know you were going to push back on that one. And then we fast fast forward 17 years to May 19th. Again, sticking with the May. Episode one, The Phantom Menace debuts. <laughs> and let me tell you, I think people were just like, oh my goodness. There's a very famous uh, and well-known Red Letter Media critiquing of episodes mm-hmm. one, two, and three, which I think are just some of the funniest things I've seen on the internet ever. And he breaks... The character he created, Red Letter Media created, was Plinkett, um, a kind of a, a weird dude who likes pizza pockets and kidnaps a girl with his full intent to make her watch the Star Wars movies in his basement to realize how terrible they are. But those are really funny. If you haven't seen those, you should seek those out because those they, are not only funny, but they're also it, – it breaks them down by filmmaking 101 and tells you why nothing makes sense. They are. I do also want to say, though, just a caveat every time I think of them because they're very good at it, but also they a little bit broke film criticism because now like all of YouTube is people who saw that and were like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go on and complain about everything i see in well, a movie that's a whole and that's different. why basically all of youtube is just people going like here's what's wrong with this movie and this movie and i'm like okay i get it everyone is you know youtube has made a platform for everyone to say whatever they want and well, a lot I mean, of you have nothing to say but youtube is full of people who who talk and have opinions but not full of people who do so that's 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 yeah, the whole thing it's, is... a, it's a direct line from red letter media to cinema sins existing no, I totally agree with you that that's 100% accurate. And I don't even mind cinema sins because, I mean, for whatever... Okay, but they're, they're, they're like, they're reductive and, like, but that's the gimmick. Like, that's the, the, my problem. It's, it's one of those things where, like, I, I can't really blame them for how fans receive things, but also I do, like, I can't separate it because, like, dumb people take that and go, like, oh, okay, that means a, a film is bad if it has a plot hole. Well, in no, like, but no, I mean, also, but, but also with... Also with cinema sins, you can tell they have a bias towards some things, and uh, you know either way, a bias of hate, a bias or love towards some things. And they, for instance, there's a movie with Charlize Theron that they add a saint that they, they add a sin because he says, and I'm adding a sin because Charlize Theron is not in my lap right now. And then they add a sin. So I mean, like obviously there's a little grain of salt, tongue in cheek there. But... Yeah, like I, like I said, it's it's more <laughs> how the how the uh, larger populace then takes that material and, and how they, and, right. because obviously they're they're also being a caricature of a character. Like, that's the thing. All the good ones, like Red Letter Media and them, they're like, they're characters they're playing that aren't, like, you know, obviously Plinkett is, they're not actually men kidnapping women and tying them in a basement and, and Feeding them talking about their son. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's a character <laughs> they're doing that then gives like these, these gross, oversimplified black and white statements about about things. Then I'm like, yeah, it makes sense for that person to be doing it. That's not your worlds. You shouldn't be black and white about everything. Like, no, of, of course not. But that's yeah, what so, YouTube is yeah, that, that was a little tangent. I, I just, I'm sorry. It's just every every no, time no. I think about, it, I'm like, I love Red Letter Media. I've been watching a lot of the best of the worst lately as I sort of do other things. It's my background. <laughs> uh, Phantom a Menace, 19 May 19th, 1999 episode two actually came out on my birthday, May 16th, 2002. And episode three, Revenge of the Sorry, episode two, Attack of the Clones. I said Revenge of the Sith. Episode three is Revenge of the Sith, May nineteenth, two thousand and five. Keeping the May, keeping the three years apart. Uh, all, all of them, probably infamously directed by George Lucas. Oh, all hundred percent Lucas joints. And you could see, like, if you look at those, if you study them, you really get like what Lucas likes about the Star Wars adventures, which is which is fine. Like, I think 
separated from then if you don't feel so attached to what you want star wars to be what you want these movies to be like okay their creator did what he wants with them and you can see the sort of things he likes and the melodrama and the opera of it um and also like if you think about them as as you know movies for kids i'll be honest i was in sixth grade i think when the first one came out when episode one came out uh i remember going to see it in theaters and i when i came out i said i loved it I was like, that was so fun because there was a pod race and, and lightsabers well, and all that's, sorts of stuff. There's a so I went. We had graduated. We're we're really deep into the what, what's our time? We're at 20 minutes already. We haven't started talking about the movies, but <laughs> so, this, yeah. wait, you wanted me to rest- engage, <laughs> buddy. I'm gonna engage. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna start talking about the movies in, in minutes. I, I swear to you. Yes. But we are. I grad. I actually went and saw that. I graduated middle school that day, eighth grade, and my buddies and I. Chris Mercer, no, Steve Mercer, Chris's older brother. We all piled in his dad's van and we, that night or that afternoon, I think we watched the, probably the 6.30 or 7, whatever the, the close to 7 o'clock show was. And mm-hmm. I remember coming out of there thinking, what in the hell was that? I didn't know why it was bad because I was only in eighth grade or just graduated eighth grade. But I remember thinking, that's awful. What yeah, in the a- hell happened? Yeah. I'm just letting you know, as someone who's a little younger, I was like, Darth Maul looks cool as shit. He had two lightsabers in one. Sign me up. Best movie ever made. But this is is, the reason I was so excited about doing this particular episode, and particularly with you, is that's where my my elitist, egotistical mind started, was seeing Phantom Menace. And people talk, and not in my mind able to separate that. Well, you know, Grayson, you should pick up on, you should read the room here. You're... If someone says they like the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, maybe they're just Star Wars fans and maybe they're being a little easier on the movies than critics were because they like them and they want them to be good. And I was never like quite understood that. But I was like, that movie is complete garbage. What do you mean it's what do you mean you like it? And that that's that's the you that that's the me you remember, Brandon. You know, and, yeah, and that, a grown up yeah. version. <laughs> And that makes sense. And honestly, start because people don't like to talk about this, but by and large, the the fan base were like very favorable to episode one when it came out because we just wanted to like it. If you go in wanting to like something, you're gonna like it. Like, no, if you of just, course, that's if the you whole tell yourself thing. this is gonna be good, and then eventually, with enough time, we're like, oh wait, maybe Jar Jar Binks is embarrassing. Well, no, I was. I mean, that's the whole thing, but. Yeah. You, we've talked at length about that, and if you're listening to this episode, you have seen the Star Wars prequels. Uh, I'm, I'm sure more times than you have fingers on at least one hand to count, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with enjoying those movies. I, I like to think there's, but there, there's nothing wrong with enjoying them. As a matter, as a matter of fact, I'm going to make a bold statement here and say those are more Star Wars than the sequel trilogy is Star Wars. Mm. I mean, depending on how you define it, since at since, the very DNA of what Star Wars is, I that's what I'm saying. I mean, they're what George Lucas wanted them to be, so by that definition, sure. Uh, it's yeah, it's hard to say. I understand how you could say that, but since the, there's no like, de- and that's my problem is since there's no like agreed upon definition of this is what Star Wars is, that everyone has their what Star Wars is to them. Uh, that's why I think a lot of people got upset at different times in the new trilogy is because they had their idea of what Star Wars should be. And when films didn't do what they wanted Star Wars to be, they got upset. Agreed. I mean, that's there's but welcome to having an opinion about movies. One oh one is right there. Mm. If, I mean, that's what YouTube is to me is like infamously famous for is giving people who a platform to talk about things when they otherwise probably wouldn't have one. Not that's a bad thing often, but it is it can be like you said. Grayson talking and when he was 17 about these movies would have been an awful thing. 
because it would have just been terrible. Yeah, I would have. I would kept telling you like, oh, I'm busy. I'm oh, sorry, buddy. I can't make the record. I don't know. I'm. I got oh, a lot of stuff. Brandon, I'm literally watching you in your house watching TV. Trust me. You're like, no, I'm really busy. No, it's, it's this is work. It's for Sherlock. I'm character study. It's important. <laughs> All right, and then we come to, of course, the movies we haven't talked about, but a few words is the is the sequel trilogy. Episode seven, The Force Awakens, debuted December eighteenth, two thousand fifteen. Two, I think fans liked it. I, I think there was a general, a general, very much like. And the tomato meter is ninety three percent, with the audience score being eighty five percent. I don't yep. know about you, but I will take those numbers any day. If I ever make a movie and I get those numbers, I'm going to be ecstatic. Oh yeah, and I'm guessing that the audience numbers. score has has come down in recent years. I'm guessing when it first came out, it was probably in the nineties as well. Because it was when it first came out, it was largely enjoyed by the fan base. I think so. Well, main, myself I think, included. Well, I, I think a lot of it because it wasn't the Phantom Menace. It actually had substance. There was well, it went back to well, the Phantom Menace was largely practical too because of the time. But I mean, it went back to. I mean, it looked like the original trilogy. It didn't look clean and sterile and you know bright. It didn't. You know, it looked like it. The original movies looked. Which, if you go back to the original movies, I mean, the whole technology being what it was at the time kind of added to helping to make creative decisions to make it as good as it was. And, you know, you have to think about how, how are we going to do this shot? How are we going to do that? And how are we going to, I mean, it, there's all kinds of stories with cinema through the years of because of technology wasn't where they needed to be, but they still needed to get a certain shot or a certain thread in there. They had to do it and they had to come up with a creative way to do it. I mean, the opening shot of Star Wars, I always say, is one of the most brilliant way, one of the most brilliant ways to open any kind of movie. It tells you everything you need to know in the first 20 seconds about what's going on without any words, nothing. There's no, that's it. It's all you need to know is right there without any dialogue. I thought that was all, I've always been a fan of that. Always, always, always been a fan of that. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, yeah, just on the aesthetic level, though, going back to practical sets, physical things. I mean, that was honestly most of the marketing was just, "Hey, look, here's this ship that we built. We're on, we're on the landing base. Look at this. I can walk around in it." Like that was ninety percent of the marketing. I feel like when Force Awakens was coming out. Well, because I mean, that's what I mean. The whole thing with the prequels was it shot everything. Everything is shot in front of a green screen. Like I think they wanted to capitalize and make make sure people understood this wasn't that. You know, it's going back to the roots of Star Wars. Oh, no, I get it. And honestly, a large part of the fan response, I think, is based on how they felt about the prequels. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah, yeah, we'll get into it. When we, we want to break down specific films, I don't know if you want to introduce all three with the dates and everything, or you want to talk about each one now. Well, I, I would, we're going to talk about them as, as we go on. I, I plan to jump right into The Force Awakens. Okay. Uh, but with more, so it was directed by J.J. Abrams, who has been a long time Star Wars fan. And I have a little story about that, which you may or may not know, Brandon, but when I worked on Super 8, uh, a movie that shot right outside of Pittsburgh in Weirton, West Virginia, this used a lot of the Pittsburgh crew, that was one of my first movies. And one of my first tasks when J.J. Abrams was coming into town was I had to go to Walmart to buy a, to buy a um, Luke Skywalker action figure and Darth Vader action figure and make sure... They were right in the middle of his table, lightsabers dueling in his in in his um, trailer. Oh boy, what a rider! That's wild. Well, that's just you know one of the stories I have from the industry. But I always thought that was cool. That I mean, and then I thought to myself, there is no way this guy's ever going to make a Star Wars movie. He, I have too much respect for him to make a Star Wars film. And 
lo and behold, the years went on. He got worse, and he made a Star Wars film. <laughs> I mean, look, that that statement I just made is very packed, and I don't want to un- un- unpack it. That's my personal take on JJ. But um, I, yes. Yeah, so let, okay, let's jump right into episode seven again, All right. as we should. Yeah, um, episode seven. Watching it this time, my big takeaway from it when I sat down at the end of it, I said, I literally do not know if it is a good movie because my brain won't allow me to know if it is because it is so good at like laser targeted nostalgia that like every five minutes it's hitting my brain with good feels of like remember cool shit from star wars here's some cool shit from star wars that my brain is just flooded with chemicals from loving cool shit from star wars that i'm like i don't even know i couldn't give you an objective opinion on how this is as a movie because i i enjoyed it i know that I just I couldn't tell you, you know, normally I could sit down and break down like, oh, well, you know, this is kind of how the character arcs are. Or this is like what the cinematography is like. But my brain is just full of happy Star Wars feelings. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, that's I'm like, I'm like I, I want I want to be able to sit down and go like, oh, well, maybe I could see cracks in like what I didn't like about the the, the third one and, and what JJ did with this. But I'm like, I don't I just like I just like the, you know, it, you know, it's it's old hat at this point to point out that it's rehashing a lot of stuff from A New Hope. But also it works. That stuff from New Hope works. Like, freaking X-Wings flying down out of nowhere to save the day, skimming over the water, their wings pop open, they go from the, you know, the fly mode to the attack mode. Like, it's great. I love it. The music swells. The score that I love. Of course, yes. The that's... new themes are great. Uh, it's all so cool. It's great. I, I just love the way it makes me feel. Well, see, okay, so here's two things. When I first saw this movie, my hype was as high as anyone else's. I mean, it's never a huge Star Wars guy, but damn it. The story is going to continue, and I knew it was in the hands of a director that I still somewhat, I, I somewhat, you know, respect as far as stories he's told. I've I've, I've liked his his movies quite a bit, quite quite a deal. I worked on one, I got to talk to him, and I, I mean, I was just excited because I wanted to see, okay, post Empire, where's this going to go? And the opening minutes, everything went wrong for me in the opening minutes. Are you curious, Brandon, as to what they were? Uh, well, I mean, I imagine it's going to be uh, the reason I defend Ryan Johnson. So go ahead, though. I want to hear your. Okay, your so here's the here's the the what what, what do you call it? The, the the title crawl that goes in the beginning of each movie. Yes. Where they so Luke Skywalker has vanished in his absence. The sinister force first order has risen from the ashes of the Empire, and will not rest until Skywalker, the last Jedi, has been destroyed. With the Republic, with the support of the Republic, General Leia Organa leads a brave resistance. She is desperate to find her brother Luke and gain his help in restoring the peace and justice to the galaxy. Leia has sent her most daring pilot on a secret mission to Jakku, where an old ally has discovered a clue to Luke's whereabouts. Dot, dot, dot. Okay, I, I, I read that and I'm thinking, hold on a second. Hold on a second. After defeating the Empire, the Resistance allowed something else to come in its place? That would, that would be like after World War II... The world sits around while Germany rearms a third time and starts a third war. That that's exactly what that. And before you're like, hmm, not no, I don't think that. No, that's exactly what it is. One hundred percent. That's what uh, it is. Buckle up. You might have be prepared for this. I agree with you. Oh man, How, uh, I, because, I, I didn't expect that. Here's the thing, though. Uh, because that was set to film, I think it created the situation that I think Ryan Johnson responded to that fact. Instead of ignoring the fact that, wait, you just let a new Nazi regime rise again in our absence? Our heroes just did that? He explored, like, okay, that happened. 
what does it mean? So that's that's that is my big takeaway. But I agree because it's it's a wild place to take it. Like if if you sit down and go like, well, I want it to kind of be like that. So we need a big, uh, you know, enemy force, you know, already there. We need an empire in place for them to fight against because I want it to be very similar to the feeling of a new hope. So the problem is, he's like, well, what's the most convenient way to do that? It just happens. We'll just set it up before the text scroll, and there it is. Get Luke out of the way. like, Because you don't want to be like, well, Luke should fight him. Like, well, I have to get Luke out of the way, so I'll do this. And like, okay, well, I'm doing this. And Leia's still doing but her thing. again, it's without any explanation as to why. And then, of course, yeah. Ryan Johnson kind of tries to retro it in the second movie, which I don't think works in his favor. But okay, more on the first one. And then it opens yeah. with, I think it's Max von Sydow. That's right, Max von Sydow. Correct, who, yes again, is mirroring how four starts. Some inf- some secret information is given to someone to get off the craft and they give it to a droid, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. And then Max von Sydow has always been an actor. I love that guy. And at first I saw him and I, because a lot of the, a lot of the promotional put him in the same, like they kept showing his scenes in the promotional stuff. Like, oh my God, that's one of the best things JJ's ever done is hire Max von Sydow. That's a guy with gravitas. He knows how to, he knows how to deliver lines. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And then just as soon as they introduce him, they kill him. And I, I, I remember I, I saw it with my brother who I drug. And I, I do this in a, in a very sold-out theater. I go, I sigh as loud as I – I mean, it just came out. And my brother just taps me on his shoulder and goes, it went bad before there was even an image on screen. <laughs> it went wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap, he's right. And so, to, to me, those are the first red flags of this movie: is killing one of your most valuable assets right off the bat, and you just not explaining anything of how Luke Skywalker is gone. The Last Order has risen. What yeah. the hell? Well, I'm also and, saying, I, in terms of the the Max von Sydow death, though, like to be fair, if it weren't a one or two day job, he probably wouldn't have signed on for it. So, I think if it wasn't that, then it it he doesn't sign on for it. And also, well, you're, you're, you're you're right, but also to work with, but but also like it gives weight to the first or like that's the thing by casting someone that with that much gravitas because the idea is this guy has been fighting in the thirty years we haven't seen, so this is a guy who's been working with Leia, who's been doing the dirty work, who's like who's old and haggard from the whole war that we didn't see, so it's shorthand to cast someone with gravitas, so we're immediately going to see it and immediately go like, oh okay, like yeah, this guy's been in it, he's he's connecting to it, and then the first order kills him. It like quickly sets up the stakes. We recognize how like heinous it is. I mean, granted, they mow down a village, but like giving a particular thing to connect with because it's not like they can march in and kill Leia in the first scene. But that they wanted you to have the feel of like that's how capable they are. They can really get the high level people. So you cast someone like that in a role to die right away, and it's it's. I understand. I understand the logic behind that. I, I am less. I am. I am. I am with you on the fact that the first order exists just at the start of the film is a problem. I am not with you that killing Max von Sydow is some great crime. Well, I mean, you, but you can't exactly go the other way either because, I mean, then, then you have the prequels where you're starting with a Republic again and then slowly you, you, you have to fade into the Empire taking up. I mean, you're, uh, except damned, if you, you're like, damned if you don't. I'm just saying, if I ran the zoo, it would start with Luke having, like, Luke would be out of Jedi school. Um, you could even have, like, Kylo Ren, if you wanted to have the Kylo Ren of it all broken off, but I'm like, that's the most engaging stuff, the idea of this this guy turning bad and the family dynamics and that and the tension between the old friends like, that's the interesting stuff I would want to see I, it's also just the problem of like, well, they're old now, like that the movies would be a lot better if they took place, you know, 15 years after them and they were and they were filming them where the actors were only 15 years older, you know, if it was in the mid-90s, that would be, I think the time to do that sort of story 
So I understand sort of how JJ got to like, well, I can't have them do too much because they're older now. And I can't have them be the center. You know, I understand how a lot of things made were decided. I don't agree with them, but I at least like see where they got to where they got to setting up this movie. Well, I can, I mean, especially, I mean, the conversations with the three of them, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher had to happen like even before the movie was, the script was written. He kind of had to, if, if they all would have been like, no, nope. I, 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 I don't even think we would have seen the movie. So I mean maybe maybe we uh, they, I mean Disney would once Disney bought it Disney was like we'll make it no matter what I mean let's let's be you know, the the corporation of Disney would not let the, you know because honestly Harrison Ford's been willing to die since the second movie Harrison Ford's went out of this shit forever yeah that's I think that's actually kind of comical I mean he's the, of the three though the, how they how they handle the big three which is of course Luke Leia and Han and you know by 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 extension you know you have Chewie and you have um, Lando Calrissian and others. It just it's it's almost to me it's this is a I mean there's some there's some point every time I watch this trilogy I'm like this is a joke right like this doesn't really exist I'm having a fever dream I'm dreaming these movies they don't really exist I'm just I'm having a dream like every yeah. time I watch it at some point that creeps into my head as this can't be real because this is yes. such so a mismanagement it, of, of talent. I think what it is with me is. Um, uh, and honestly, I think this is why I had the big divide with the Last Jedi people, or people who don't like Last Jedi. Um, so in this film, like, okay, JJ came in, he has the First Order just rose off screen. Uh, Leia is back to doing exactly what she was at the start of A New Hope. Han is doing exactly what he was at the start of A New Hope. And Luke has become Yoda, fucked off to an island, not helping anyone. Like, that is where he put them. And while I, while I have a problem in general with that being what happened to the characters... A for- the Force Awakens is such a like a nostalgia machine light show that like my brain was just like oh my god yes fun Star Wars adventure it's like a New Hope I love a New Hope yes give me this that like I got to the end of the film and I was like I had a really good time watching that movie here's where all of our characters are so any problems I have like setting them up that way kind of got swept under the rug for me uh, at the end of the first film I was like okay well it's dumb that the First Order is back all of a sudden it's dumb that Han is just back to being what he was. It's dumb that, like, basically they reset all our characters or turn Luke into Yoda, but that's where we're at. The end of the film, that's where we're at. That's what happened. I enjoyed that. I had fun watching that movie. So now let's go forward with that world state. Well, yeah. No, you're not wrong about any of that, but, like, that's also, that's what, that's the material that you have. It's kind of like me in the Terminator movies. Like, I don't like Dark Fate, but that's what we have now, and that's the canon, so. Yeah. I, think I have to be okay of, with it. I, I am. I think of the new trilogy, yeah. Uh, I, as much as I enjoy the film, I think the orig- the biggest problem are the original sins committed by Force Awakens. And I'm saying this having just watched it this past week and really loved watching it. Like that's that's the big conflict here is that I just like it's so specifically crafted to be enjoyable if you just like Star Wars movies. That it's still enjoyable if you just sit back and watch the movie, but it. It created the original sins that lead to, I think, most of the problems that people have with any of the three films. Are no, all I agree with you. Bare I 100% this. agree yeah. with you. All and laid already, bare in the opening text scroll. And, really. And, we, and we, we've already talked about, of course, um, we've already talked about the Luke, Leia, and Han all being all being um, kind of rev, reprised in their, in their roles. And we've kind of updated a little bit, too, with you know Oscar Isaac brings a kind of a fresh energy to it um you know we we get other actors in there that are that they kind of breathe new life into the very old franchise yeah. if you, you know you know what i'm saying oh yeah here's so. the other thing we talk so much about them i just want to say 
unabashedly, I love our new trilogy. Or, or I love our new trio. Not a trilogy. New trio. I love Ray. I love Finn. I love Poe. I think they're great characters that aren't always treated right. I think the actors are all great at doing what they're given. And I think they are set up to do interesting things in all the films. They don't always do interesting things with them. No, that's they're... See, but seven I, is, I, I like them as characters of people who are mad at them. I'm like, you're mad at the film at large or things that the film is doing. I'm like, I think they are good characters who work that do interesting things that are close to the originals, but are also different enough to give us new interesting views of this conflict, new interesting views of this kind of story. Well, sure. And I, and I get you the whole, the, so now we're going into it. We're introducing the other cast members of, you know, Daisy, Daisy Ridley as Ray, John Boyega as Finn, Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron, Dom Hall Gleason, which I, I don't know why General Hux exists. Um, Harrison Ford, of course, uh, Adam Driver as Kylo Ren, another character. I hate, I hate Kylo Ren's character. I hate him. But he is what we, we, what we have. And then Lupita, Lupita Nyong'o is Maz Kanata. Andy Serkis is Supreme Leader Snoke. Serkis, man, he carved out quite a career for himself with the whole CGI thing after Gollum. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, he's so good. Well, him. I mean, his, his work on the Apes movies. Ooh. Of course. Of course. So, so it's like, gra- like ground shattering. It's so, so good. So that's, that's, so we've introduced a whole new cast. And for the most part, I do like the new trio i like now watching watching what, what's that they don't that yeah, i was say they don't always do the right thing but i think I, as characters you have to like them they're, well, they're interesting characters watching the new trilogy one of the things i really wanted to flesh out of my mind was ray i mm-hmm. like ray as a character i think daisy ridley was the right choice for ray as a jedi i th- you know she's she looks the part she you know she has she's a very good actress um, I don't understand people's blindly. Oh, female Jedi, I'm out. Like, I just don't understand that kind of uh, an, an analysis. It, people are are bad and don't deserve nice things. Is the answer? There are I awful people in the world. Well, it just doesn't make any sense to me because I mean, you don't. You're gonna ju- because I remember the whole thing when it was revealed that Ray was Ray was the main character and she was a female and she's gonna be a Jedi. People were like, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? This is Star Wars. This is a man's business. I'm thinking to myself, you guys, I mean, she could be okay. I don't how can you judge on something you haven't seen? Exactly. So, yeah, that those are the worst kind of people. If you're one of those, I don't care if you listen. Stop listening. We don't want you to listen. Well, it's yeah, I mean that's you're 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 you're, you're a hater for, for being a hater. But here so I don't have a problem with the cast. Where I have a problem is things like Captain Phasma. Is I have a problem with the opening title crawl, killing off Max Mancito quickly, though I understand why they do it. I understand. One thing I hate, I hate, 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 hate beyond anything is I love it actually that it's brought up when Maz looks at Finn and goes, you live enough lives, you live long enough, you see other people's eyes. And then that that to me is one of the most interesting things that JJ set up in the first one. But never answered. Again, it's frustrating. It's, it's it's it's. I mean, that's the classic JJ. Uh, this sounds cool and mysterious. There we go. Moving well, on. Of, of of course. I mean, it's something he definitely planned on expanding on until he didn't yeah, do eight. And you're then pretty he did nine, confident. But... You say he plans on expanding on like. I mean, I think we learned from Lost that like, yeah, he plans on expanding on them. Like, ah, eventually we'll figure this out. Like that is his plan. Is eventually we'll do something with this. <laughs> he he didn't write that line knowing what the fuck it meant. He wrote that line 
knowing that it was cool and mysterious and people are going to be intrigued by it. And that'll be something we can do with later question mark. Sure. I mean, I get that. I do. Please don't think I don't, but it's just, you don't bring up that line of dialogue without at least in your mind planning, at least then planning to return to it. You know, like you can, I just mean, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. And, and not just like, I have no, like you wouldn't put that in unless you at the time thought you're going to return to it. Because I remember all these things swirling about how, oh, is that going to be Darth Vader reincarnated? Is, you know, what's it, who is that? Like that was the most asked question of episode seven was whose eyes was Maz telling us it was in there? You know, I was, that was, to me, that's the most interesting thing of the episode seven is that, that one singular aspect of the movie is right there for me. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, my most, my controversial opinion, my most intriguing thing in episode seven is the last shot. Of when she's on the island with Luke? Yeah, because, because she is set up, basically, she is, as a character, is a Star Wars fan. Like, she has Star Wars action figures in her base. She's grown up dreaming about the cool stories. She lives in a crashed Star Wars vehicle. Like, she is, as a character, both literally and figuratively, a Star Wars fan. And the movie ends with a Star Wars fan holding out Luke's old lightsaber, begging him to just take up the lightsaber and be cool and save the universe for us again. Like that, like it's, it's so thematically rich seeing the star Wars fandom look at Mark Hamill and go, please be cool. Jedi man for us. We're begging you. Like that is how the movie ends. And I was like, Oh, I left the theater going like, Holy shit. What a final shot. Like what? A, it's, it's like on the nose, but it's the kind of on the nose that I love because it's star Wars fans begging Luke Skywalker well, to come be thing. a cool Jedi again. Here's the thing is that was all. And again, being the digital age, Anything after 2000, you can't keep secret for shit because of the internet. But wouldn't that have been something as if no one even, like, he sent a second unit to go film that. Mark Hamill was completely kept under wraps. Maybe, like, paid to live on an island resort somewhere after he shot that. Just paid to not communicate with anyone. So no one knew that was coming. Can you imagine uh, Luke Skywalker returned? You know, that's something you just I've, didn't expect. I don't think there's literally any, and short of Mark Hamill dying... There's nothing they could have done to make me think that he wasn't going to be in the movie. Like, literally, they could have had Mark Hamill could be like swearing on a Bible, standing in line. He could live in my house for four years and I watch him every day. See, he's not filming and I wouldn't believe them. Well, I get that. So, I do. So it would be like, it would be cool. It would be a surprise reveal if I didn't know he was going to be there and I just like all of a sudden he was there. Yeah, I would have shit my pants. <laughs> but I, I don't think there's anything they could have done to make me actually believe that Luke Skywalker wasn't going to at least appear in the film. Well, I mean, if they had done the scenario I laid out and then you'd seen, you know, you'd seen 98% of the movie and then you're, and then there at some point you're like, okay, well maybe he's not going to be in this movie. And then Ray lands on the island. You're like, whoa, whoa, what's this? Walking around, see a hooded. See, they shouldn't have even revealed him because we all knew who it was. We all knew that was Luke Skywalker. Even, even if you went to, went in a coma in 1977 and, and, and woke up in the movie theater watching those last minute and a half. You knew who it was. Fair, <laughs> I mean, but also, if I may say, some top-level acting from Mark Hamill in that moment. The look on his face, the it's like it's it's soaked in pain and regret, and he knows what's being asked of him, and like he he knows that she doesn't know what she's at. Like it's he doesn't say anything, but just the look on his face when he looks down and sees the lightsaber is so good. 
he crushes it. He doesn't say anything, but it's it is a level acting, in my opinion. Well, the the other way you you bring him in is, of course, going the route that this these movies should have gone was. It is a time of peace, and there's just things that you know the the alliance is a new governing power, and they have to you know keep peace. You know, kind of like a police force that chases down thieves and whatnot, and they're starting to investigate things that don't sound right that you know things that don't sound right that could lead to bad so they start investigating it and of course that's the first movie is the whatever power is trying to rise is now known but you know our characters are pinned down they got nowhere to go there that's it this is the end for finn for poe for ray and then all of a sudden out of nowhere you hear a lightsaber come on and then there's luke and everyone says, but Jedi's using the fence. He doesn't attack. Um, yes and no. Jedi's can. And if they feel threatened, they can. If they're protecting someone, they can. And I hate the fact that we're like, he would never have gone on the offensive like that. I'm trying to make my most dorkiest voice I can. But I, I disagree with you. That's You don't introduce a character. You don't reintroduce a character like Luke Skywalker. We're talking one of the OG characters in film that everyone wanted to come back. We're talking like one of the most recognizable names in the medium itself by by having him toss his lightsaber over his shoulder and drink milk from a weird space animal's udder. Well, that's, first, that's moving that's on to the next film. If you want to move on to the next film, no, no, I, 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 I don't. But, uh, but also, I just want to say, how you don't do it. the exact thing you just described is the end of Mandalorian season two. Well, th- because Disney learned. Disney was like, heard people say, what the fuck? How did you bring Luke back like that? And then they're like, okay, okay, okay. We're going to give you what you asked for. Here it is. I also love the, that, that, that ending of Mandalorian Season 2 because that, that, that also tells you definitively where Mandalorian, when Mandalorian's taking place. They, te- that, they tell you that in the first season. They talk about how recently the Empire fell in Season 1. People are just weren't paying attention. No, 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 no. But, I mean, they talk about it and they give you visual clues, but you don't know if it's been a year, it's been two years, three years. I mean... The Luke, I, I, right, I right. never had any problems with the timeline. I feel like the general populace did. I'm like, why are people having a hard time with this? It's it's pretty easy. Well, I remember I remember reading things that people were like, no, no, it's after nine. I'm like, we talk they talk about the Empire. They don't talk about the first order, and you see stormtroopers' helmets on the thing. People things. are like, dumb. That's the problem. <laughs> you you anyway, always forget so, that part. People are dumb. So seven. On with seven then is you know yes. the re- the reintroduction of Han Solo as I'm happy to say Han Solo being you know doing some more smuggling stuff being those funny those great Harrison Ford one liner quips kind of Han Solo was the same character he was just older and I'm happy to say that's the case you're okay uh, like I mean I enjoyed it but I'm not happy that they undid all the character development of the first original trilogy I like, I mean he grew as a person and now he's back to he's literally back to where he was before he met Luke. Like he is back to doing exactly what he was. I don't think he's back to where he was. I just think he's now been he's now been so jaded by everything that happened post Return of the Jedi that he's just back to being a curmudgeon who just wants to live and not get involved in other people's troubles. Now you could say that's back to where Luke found him, but I I I think it's kind of a learned curmudgeonness rather than starting the beginning of the arc. He has abandoned his wife. He has abandoned the the order. The Nazis have taken over, and he's fine with it. Uh, his son is off in there, and he's fine with it. Like he, he eventually comes across his son when he gets pulled back into it. But we get we led to believe if he didn't run into our new trio, he would have just like been fine doing nothing. First order, who cares? My son, whatever. 
Like that thing, it's it's cool, and I enjoy him in the movie. But I think it is just as much a problem that you have Luke go hide in the island like Yoda. That is that Han Solo is doing the exact same thing he was at the start of four. Fair, okay. I mean, fair. I got you. It's I think people people put a, the, the the people don't react to it as big because they're like they're like whatever. Han Solo is Han Solo. Luke Skywalker should be like doing flips and slicing people in half with a lightsaber. Like <laughs> since they don't expect that out of Han Solo, they don't really complain about it as much. But I think it's just as big as a problem. That's fair. I I totally get that. <clears throat> I just didn't have a problem. I mean, look, okay. Then you must have really hated Solo, the the movie. Oh, Solo uh, was fun but bad. It it, un, it undid Han they, Solo's they character. Gave, they had to explain the origin of his goddamn name. Like, what was that about? And they they had to do it. The Kessel Run. They had to do it, didn't they? They just they, they was, couldn't. Just I knew they. Had, I knew they were going to do that. Like, I, I going into the movie, I accepted the bitter pill. I'm like, okay, they're going to do the Kessel Run. That that is going to be the thing. I didn't expect all the other things. There is well, good stuff in Solo, just surrounded by a lot of crap. Well, um, I mean, there's some okay stuff. I don't want to say good, but the the the, the biggest service they could have done to Han Solo was just scrap that movie. Like, just don't even make it. Just don't make that movie. But just me. It's out there. I mean, they made they made too much too fast. They should have done the new trilogy, see how that went, and then started making the extra stuff. I agree, 100. percent But they want to. It's like while I enjoyed Rogue One, even Rogue One, I was like, oh, this is like the third movie in a series of films I would have liked to have seen. Well, I don't mind Rogue. I actually think Rogue One's okay. I don't. I don't have a problem. Rogue One's Rogue pretty One. okay, but also like they just give me like the like Cassian Andor. They give me this like jaded like rebel person, and I'm like, I need to see what got them to that point. Like they just they do a lot of work for granted. Like this is fine. This is what it's like. Well, We're the, moving on. The problem with filling in gaps at this point is if the characters don't show up in any other film, it's pointless. So mm-hmm. what's the point of filling? Because the only reason we got Rogue One was because of that one line in A New Hope where the woman's like, many people died to bring us these plans. And then she mm-hmm. kind of like looks off in the distance like, what, the, what are you looking at? No one's, look back at the camera. What are you doing? Um, oh, now we're, now we're attacking New Hope. Okay, okay. No, no, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> There's not many one. things to attack. The New, the, the new Hope is, 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 like a, is like a 9.9 out of 10, my friend. Yeah. Um, All right. I was, but we're on episode seven. <laughs> no, I was we keep getting sidetracked. It's going to be four hours long. No, it's we're giving a half hour to each to each movie. We're fine. We're fine. Okay. And we are. Hold on. We're at the we're at the six minute mark. We have to be done talking about episode seven. But all right. So we okay. Some things I liked about episode seven was, of course, I said before, it it brought back the practicality of filmmaking. It looks things look real. They don't look fake anymore. I like mm-hmm. that huge, huge plus in the column. I mean, I like the balls of bringing back all three of the original cast members. I didn't think they were going to be able to do it. Honest, honest to God, I didn't. I was like, there is no way they're going to get Han Solo to play that guy again, or Harrison Ford, because he doesn't want to be Han Solo anymore. He's done. And lo- but he home- wants to own another island. <laughs> sure, sure. He, or he wants the royalties off of this movie as well. Sure, That's sure, the sure. thing. Yeah, he's going to get yeah. Um, um, and then I, I again, we didn't even talk about one of my one of my most hated. Is Adam? She, I, I don't even know why they teach script writing in film school anymore. Because like everything that they say not to do in script writing, they do in Hollywood films. And I, I can understand why kids are like, "Wait a minute, I, that's dumb." I was told not to do that in my script, and they just did it. What? Kylo Ren's a character is the dumbest character that you can possibly. I I couldn't imagine a worse character in all these in in the the, the new, new trilogy than than Kylo Ren. He is a uh, child. I don't. I mean, over the full trilogy, I don't care for him. I do. I I like him 
actually in the first two movies. See, uh, you, you I, know, you know, you know, what's funny. I don't like him in the first two movies, and I like him in the in, in episode nine. I know you do because <laughs> the third movie gets saccharine, and there's like whatever. Fine, this happens. It's fine. Uh, that when they get to the third film, he wants it to be a certain way, so he just makes it a certain way, re- disregarding everything that's happened before then. Uh, but in this one, uh, I like it because if you remember in A New Hope, Luke Skywalker was like a kid playing with toys, making like laser gun noises with his mouth. Like he was like a bratty little kid who got swept up in this adventure and became like a cool hero. Kylo Ren is just, I like it as the sort of opposite of that. He's, he's like this bratty teen kid who got swept up in the dark side and like never like, and because he's in the dark side, he didn't have to worry about mature. So he is sort of in arrested development in a state that Luke didn't because Luke pushed past it, but he is kind of in that sort of pouty brat state that I'm like, I think it's an interesting thing to do with the character uh, more because if you want to have, you know, if he's, you know, the quote unquote Darth Vader analog in this one, you know, the evil person who's related to one of our heroes, um, you know, I, I'd be bored if it was just the same thing. Like, oh, yeah, I know. It's just this big, tough and Timian guy. Like, this is a guy who's who's fragile, impulsive and not cool and collected. He's uh, he's a hothead. You know, you, th- you don't think of hothead for Darth Vader. You know, he, he he's this giant monolith of a person who just strides through the room and commands presence. And this is this weedy little firebrand. Well, here's, of a kid. A, here's the thing with Darth Vader is there's 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 a yin and a yang to Vader. He is calm, cool, collected. He's powerful. But then that then in, in Empire, they, they show you how fragile he actually is by showing you that big egg like machine that he wakes up in every morning and, go you know, takes his helmet off and. Like you see a little bit of the vulnerability of him and Kylo Ren there, there is none of that. There is none of that, you know, you're showing instead of telling the vulnerabilities of Kylo Ren. And what, one of the things that I laughed out loud in the theater was when he started throwing his tantrum and using his lightsaber to just cut the walls open. I started laughing like this is, this is a joke, right? This can't it, be real. It is a joke. Yeah. Star Wars is allowed to have jokes in it, my friend. I don't know if you're aware of that. But that's not meant to be taken. That's meant to be taken as, oh no, he's angry. He's upset. It's not. It's a. Ch- they have stormtroopers go up and walk backwards. It's a joke. They know oh, it's oh, funny. I mean, okay, we're gonna disagree on this one, but I don't. The way they show that he's mad is, you waste Adam Driver with Kylo Ren. He's it, it to me that's Adam Driver's worst character to date is Kylo Ren, it's because he just the the script must not have afforded him, the the quality that he's used to. I guess. That's what I'm gonna say about that. All right, but we're gonna I, I just, have to disagree because I enjoy I just, the. the well, no, tell me, I, tell me what about Kylo Ren you enjoy, please. I to, I specifically like that he is a bratty, unstable teen who is wildly emotional. I think that is interesting. It's something we haven't seen in a villainous character in this kind of story before, and I like the opportunities it affords because then his growing up and his maturity it sets him up. This is the first film, setting him up this way. Uh, you know, he has his flaws. He kills his father impulsively. We know that's going to come back to haunt him. You know, he's impul- he got shot with the, the bowcaster and he goes for a fight that he's going to lose because he's bleeding out in the middle of this fight. Uh, you know, he sets himself up for failure because of his impulsiveness. That is his downfall. You know, the villain's flaws lead to their downfall. It is an interesting pathway to show. It's something that I've not seen in a villain in this series before. Um, I think it is an interesting way to be connected to our original trilogy. Uh, you may not agree with everything they do with that, but I'm like, I like the connection to that. Uh, and I like him more in the second film because I like I like where they take him. So I think this is a fine setup for something I like they do. Uh, we're running out of time, though. I just want to shout out a couple quick things from this movie that a few things that J.J. Uh, Abrams being a Star Wars fan, he did a couple cool things, uh, one of which is just a lightsaber battle in the snow is a great idea. 
because you have flecks of snow hitting the saber, you have steam yeah, off the ground. Of course, I was good. Just next visually time like gorgeous. Every time I watch the movie, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, oh right, I'm, it's just breathtaking. Whatever you think about the characters and the with the story in that moment when they start lightsaber fighting in the snow is amazing as a fan. Uh, and also, I love some of the stuff he does that is that feels decidedly not Star Wars. That shot in the beginning where we show like on the troop transport of the like flickering lights of all the stormtroopers standing there, it feels more like you know a, a, a war, a modern war film. Uh, getting on the ground and sort of going since since we have a stormtrooper character this time he takes a sort of in the point of view of the stormtroopers going down on this raid that is interesting and new and something that wasn't done in the old star wars films because we didn't have a you know stormtrooper point of view character but also just some of the film language he uses for that is is i think more modern than you expect out of star wars and i thought that that was really cool I, even this time i loved seeing that stuff early on and the point of view of watching stormtroopers just like attack this village, you really sort of get the visceral nature of the crimes they're committing. I get that. I mean, that's those are good points about, especially about Carla Wren. It's not like I hadn't considered him. I just still don't. I still would have. And that, that, yeah, but. you don't have to like him, but I, I, I think it's, it, it, I, you know, you don't have to like it, but I think you at least have to understand how someone could like it. No, no, of course, and of course, I one hundred percent agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, you're telling me you you like him, and I I wish just and I'll say this a few more times. I wish JJ had just made all three movies, so we saw the characters go where he had envisioned for them anyway. That's what I that's what I wish the most for this trilogy was. I yeah, I wish they had three. sat down and planned out a trilogy, even if, no matter who did it. If they had planned out the full arc instead of just going piecemeal, I think it'd be better. Even if it was different directors, if they planned out the whole arc, it would be better by and large. But so I mean, out of a score of ten, what would you give episode seven? Uh, Again, my opening saying I have a hard time judging this as a film because it's so good at pressing on my nostalgia brains. Um, I mean, probably even honestly, I I enjoyed a lot, so probably still somewhere seven eight range. I yeah, I really was, have a lot of fun would, with it. I would say about a seven six and a half seven ish. Yeah, like I understand the writing problems and what they did with the characters and the opening scroll and all that, but I just have fun watching this thing. See, I don't think I don't have a problem with what JJ set up as much as you did. I just. I don't know. The, a lot of the problem for me comes later. But in this next movie, well, let's jump right into it. Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi came out in 2017, December of 2017. Directed by, now this is the controversial one, Ryan Johnson, which a lot of the cast members do return, uh, playing, of course, their roles. We have Laura Dern added to the Benicio Del Toro, Billy Lord, Frank Oz again as Yoda. So... Here's where the series takes a big turn for me. Is at least this series is in this this trilogy takes kind of a big turn because here's where I have the most problem with this movie is the fact that it doesn't. It's very obvious someone made this movie that was not in tune with Episode Seven at all and didn't want to be in tune with. As a matter of fact, goes out of his way to give a big middle finger to Episode Seven, and that's my problem because the story is more important than the two directors. Who are making the movies, the story has to talk to each other in a trilogy. And these movies don't. That's the problem for me anyway in, in any way. Yeah, I disagree with your assessment. I think it takes I think I think he was there there like I said it's not a perfect movie. There are things I would do differently if I was doing it. If I if he brought me in like six months before he's like, here's what we got and I was script doctoring him, I would give him I have a number of notes I would give him. But uh, by and large, I think he looked at the end of episode seven. Here's all the characters. Here's where they are. Here's the story told so far. Where do you go from here? And I like basically everywhere he decided to take the like all the all the fine details aren't always what I would want, but I I enjoy everything he decided to do with what he was given out of episode seven. 
Well, at the time, oh, and we we completely because he's a big deal in this movie. We just gloss over Snoke as an introduced bad guy villain. I was actually okay with introducing Snoke in Seven Two. The way, especially the way he's introduced visually, you know, he's very reminiscent of the of the Emperor. You know, in yeah. a hologram in a dark room, silhouetted by light. I like that a lot. Yeah, of I course, think I, I think it's fine. Yeah, introducing the Seven, I think it was I was fine with that. And I'm of like, course, okay. that's 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 the whole JJ thing is you introduce an enemy that we have no idea about. Any, like that's the whole JJ mystery thing is we know nothing about that guy, but we know he's. But also, he's I mean, there was the Emperor story. in Empire Strikes Back. He was a guy in a hologram. Like, okay, there's an old dude. Got it. Well, yeah, that was when we learned that Vader wasn't actually the the lead bad guy, which I wonder when that came about in development. But that's a whole. Different I mean, thing, no. So. Well, they told us then. In episodes in A New Hope, they mention the Emperor because Tarkin goes in and he goes, like, the Emperor's dissolving the Senate, so we know that there's someone who's above all of them that's not in the room. That's a good point. That's a very good point, actually. forgot about that little line. Yeah. All right, let's focus our attention on Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Okay. I, I'm going to let you dig. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in on this one because I just want to say. No, no, of course. I think what a lot of people don't like is they don't like that the major theme of this film is failure. I think that that Ryan Johnson looks at, okay, Luke went off and hid an island for 30 years like Yoda, not helping anything, and the First Order rose. Han Solo went back to being a scavenger, and Leia's back. Leia's, Leia's doing what she, Leia's the most competent of that trio, and she's doing what she's always done and fighting the good fight. Um, but basically, the, the world's adrift, and our heroes had defeated the big evil, and then 30 years later, we're back where we started. So I think he took that, he looked at that, and was like, okay. I don't know what to take out of this other than those guys failed. And so he's like, let's explore failure as this major theme. So that is one thing, like having Luke Skywalker not have been great, not not have like gone from his victory there and just done nothing but good things. I think a lot of people are mad about that in general. Just that idea, even if, ignoring the specifics, just that idea that Luke Skywalker would in any way have been a, a major failure in any regard, people don't like. Uh, also, uh, think about the. I, I was watching this time. I was like, "Yeah, it, the um, Poe Dameron's arc, uh, which I think is pretty divisive. How hot headed he is in this one." But I was coming out of, uh, even though I really enjoyed him coming out of Force Awakens. I was like, "What is what is his character? What do I know about him other than he's a pilot who quips when he's faced with a villain?" That's that's about all we know from Poe from the first film, is that he's like a cool pilot dude who has quips when he's faced with Kylo Ren. So I'm so like I don't know what I would do with an arc of that. So I'm like, okay, from I could see from his point of view, he's like, well, what is you know? He wanted all the new characters to have a journey to go on, and so Pose, he's like, okay, he needs to learn the difference between you know hot-headed action and leadership, and you know you may you may take offense to how how they accomplish that, but I think that is a worthy arc to assign him. Uh, I think he gets Finn exactly right. I don't like all the details of what he does, but Finn at the end of the first film hasn't really signed up with the he doesn't he doesn't really care about the resistance in the first he just wants to get away from the first order and he cares about his friend so this movie is designed to take him on arc from caring about individuals to caring about causes and ideals and i was like what a great thing because if you have someone who was a stormtrooper who rejected it all because he realizes individual people are valuable and now like okay well let's teach him that like yeah but as an extension of individual people you got to care about the big picture the ideals the causes and that's his arc he goes on. And I love Kylo and Rey because they both basically have to deal with how to deal with the past. And Kylo gives his thesis statement of kill the past, let it die, burn it down. And basically Rey ends up presenting the side like, no, 
embrace the past, learn from the mistakes, do better than the past, but you can't ignore the things that have happened. And I love both of those. So Luke is wallowing in failure. And Ray is the perfect kind of optimist to, to go up against him. Her arc of learning from the past, having his past mistakes in there. Um, and people always go, the biggest one on Luke Skywalker, everyone's always like, oh, I can't believe they would have our hero just go kill a kid. I'm like, are you ignoring the Rashomon nature of the fact that they show this scene multiple times? <laughs> it is viewed so many different ways that like, no, the last one Luke even says, he was down there, he was just sensing Kylo's thoughts. And in a moment of instinct, he flicked on his lightsaber and immediately regretted it. And that's what's been haunting him for years. He was like, there was no active part of his brain that was going to attack that kid. But Kylo woke up at the wrong time. I love that they show it multiple times. I love how the scene changes each time they show it. The subtle differences and the performances. Um, yeah, I, you, you have part with the details, but I love all the arcs that all of our characters go on. And the final thing I have on Luke is you get to have your cake and eat it too. You want Luke Scott. He makes the joke. He says, what do you want me to do? Go face down the entire First Order with a laser sword? Like, first off, that's kind of an absurd idea. Like, yeah, I understand Jedi's are powerful, but is that just what you want? A movie of Luke going around, like, destroying all the bases? You just want, like, Captain America, but it's Luke with a lightsaber going from <laughs> Hydra Base to Hydra Base? Like, I mean, I guess that could be a movie, but we, you know, we've seen that before. And then they still find a way to actually give you kind of a scene like that. That's cool as shit. And it shows him standing there. They all fire at him. And then he has this sweet lightsaber battle with Kylo Ren. But it's all distraction to set up the bigger story of just giving hope to the new generation. Ray has learned. That moment kicks so much ass where Luke is giving the speech, talking to him. We see what's happening. She lifts the rocks with the force, which is such a fucking Jedi move. It's great. Also, Broom Kid rules. I love Broom Kid. Well, again, something that we, was never... It was, I mean, Ryan Johnson... Because at one time, Ryan Johnson was supposed to do 8 and 9. And then he didn't do nine. I don't know the, the politics behind that per se, but I know that one time he was brought on for both. I, I read up on this a fair amount afterwards, uh, after rewatching this past week. And from what I understand and what all the most reliable sources I found said, uh, they hired him to do eight. And then basically after, after like right after eight came out, they approached him and said, hey, do you want to do nine? And he didn't want to do it that quick because uh, they wanted it two years later. And he's like, I don't want to do it that quick. I have another project I want to work on. And they were like, well, we want to do that quick. So we're moving on. So basically, it wasn't like response to this. It was that he wasn't ready to do the full production that quickly. I get that. And I mean, I, but again, something is set up that they don't follow through with that I was interested in. I was, who did that kid become? Is that, is that meant to be like, anyone can be a Jedi if they want? Yes, to that is Ratatouille. <laughs> that, that's exactly what it is. And that's, I love the theme. I like, if I, if he, if I had to make a hierarchy of things, I let them change. The last thing I would let them change and that they did change is Ray's parentage. I absolutely loved that Ray's parents were no one important. I think it should have stayed that way. And then that combined with Broom Kid, like, yeah, it's Ratatouille. Anyone can cook. That doesn't mean every single person in the universe can cook. Not every single person in the universe is a Jedi, but a Jedi can come from anywhere. You don't have to be the most important fated well, no, person. No, I, I get that. I totally get that. But then again, I don't like anyone, anything set up by whatever director, whoever storyteller, and then not expanded on. It's just, it's a negative thing. I don't think there's anything to, to follow it. up with on Broom Kid. And the, the problem is, if you if you had like Ray establish a new school of Jedi, then Broom Kid should join. But there's no real, I don't think there's a reason to revisit Broom Kid. I think he was just there to show you like, okay, the resistance is out there. The, the goal of this was like, we look, we're down in numbers, but we've established hope and the, the, the people are out there. The ideas are out there. And also, she's not the last Jedi. There are other Force users. There is hope for the future. That is Broom Kid. 
No, of course. I mean, I, I don't. I love the title, but I don't love the title because it's while it's a great title by, I guess, schoolyard definitions of oh, dude, that's a great title, bro. I love it. It's not accurate at all, um, and nor do I. Nor, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's one of those titles that like it's great, but it doesn't mean anything towards. But it does set up one of the great... There are a couple lines in this that, like, you can say are cheesy, but I think are cheesy in a B-movie way and really slap hard. And one of them is Luke in the showdown right when the rock's lifting. And I... It's like, everything you said is wrong. And then the last line is, I will not be the last Jedi. Cut to Ray's face, the rock's lifting. Like, I whooped in my basement watching alone. Of course. I was so pumped by that. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second. I will... But, like, that's a great movie moment. Pure and simple. But, yeah, but calling it the Last Jedi then gives more weight to that moment because the whole thing is like, okay, I'm on a meta level. I'm going to this film knowing it's called the Last Jedi, and then it ends with the hero of my childhood going, "I will not be the Last Jedi," and I'm just like, "Yes, there's more Jedi. Let's <laughs> yes, do more I, of this." <laughs> yes, I can be a Jedi. Thanks, Broom Kid. I can be a Jedi. Yeah, um, no, I, I totally I, understand I, that. Yeah. Okay, I, I've ranted a lot. I'll let you say your piece. I'm sorry. I, I just as. <laughs> I, I, honestly, as a defender of this film, I I feel like I'm on the outs in the internet community, so I'm I'm always r- raring to go on this one. I don't. So I, this okay. I have a lot to say, but let's let's start with let's start with things continuances from the first film, which are which are every character comes back and then some, and then we have one of the, for instance. I thought I had something I wanted to say about something and just totally just. Right out of my head, but let's start with the, with the title crawl. Mm-hmm. All right, the first order reigns, having decimated the peaceful republic. Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys his mercilessly legions to seize military control of the galaxy. Only General Leia Organa's band of resistance fighters stand against the rising tyranny. Certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore the spark of hope to the fight. Again, great line, but the resistance has been exposed, and as the first order. Speeds towards the rebel base. A brave hero mounts a desperate escape. So again, we're mirroring. We're mirroring for the second time, the Empire Strikes Back. Again, I don't think this was the. I don't think something I wanted to say with the new with Force Awakens is. I don't think it was a good idea to mirror any of the movies back to the original trilogy a second time. I think they should have just said we're not doing any of that. We're going a completely different direction and gone with it, which is fine. Um, again, with setting up things that don't make any sense is the in this the the Benicio character, the guy who helps him and then completely betrays him, is I think you can say whatever you want about he's a soldier of, you know, he's a mercenary opportunist, but he saw an opportunity, he took it. But in a movie you don't put that in unless you plan on revisiting it. Period. Same with Broom Kid. You just don't. Uh, that's that. I think it's just like a sloppy execution. Uh, first off, Broom Kid, I disagree with you. Broom Kid is a stinger at the end uh, that accomplishes what it meant to accomplish. But ECO is meant to be a, a sign for it's it's part of Finn's character arc. Because Benicio is like the shadow of what Finn could be, looking out for himself, just going through the galaxy, not caring about because co- that's what he says. He's like, look, it's one side, the other side. Who cares? And the whole point of Finn's journey is to learn to care about what side is what. Oh, I, I, t- I totally understand that. Um, what what is that? How you have to, is that how you show it though? Is that is that so? You you choose them to go to this casino planet or this planet with a casino on it to find what the code the, the, the code breaker in the and this is who they find and take them. It's a long way to go about showing Finn to show us that oh, that's yeah. what Finn could be. 
I the, 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 yeah, I would do a lot of uh, I would do a lot of details different on on that specific one. The problem is I like the idea of going to Canto Blight for other reasons. I like the idea of going somewhere that's not an active war zone and start like this is the first time we've gone to a high class peaceful place in the galaxy. Really, Star Wars has always been like we're on the run, we're in army bases or we're in like scummy little corners of the galaxy. It like. On paper, I like the idea of going to a high-class, rich, established place that isn't bothered at all by what's going on in the rest of the galaxy. That is interesting to see. Um, I wouldn't have done that, honestly. In my economy, I would have had them jump to the ship, and they'd be doing like a secret mission on the ship the whole time. Uh, and they could have met Benicio del Toro in the prison of the ship. You know, maybe they get in, they maybe they get caught and arrested, and they all escape together. And then Benicio turns them in that way, and they could have that way they have more time with him. And you know they, they they could really build that up and then have that reveal be a little stronger. If I ran the zoo, that's what it'd be. Also, I would have messed around with the time frame of the movie if I if I was doing it. I get that. I, my biggest I mean, flaw of the movie is the time frame. I think. Why wait? Why is that the biggest flaw of the movie? You think? You're, uh, you're because basically, flaw. like, I don't have a problem with Ray being good at being a Jedi. Like people, I know a lot of people are like, oh, she's too good, too fast. She should have to train more. But also, like, I, if I were doing it, I would, because they're escaping from the base from the first movie at the top of the film. I would have had that just be a little bit more like Hoth, maybe have him waste all those bombers, but they get away, and then cut to Ray, and then basically have Ray meet Luke, and like maybe do like a day or two there, and then we do a jump ahead in time to where they're at a new base, or they're on the run, and then they're having their conflict with the First Order then. And then also we cut back to Ray, who's been like living with Luke and fighting with him, and like, learning from him begrudgingly while he's trying to tell her not to be a Jedi like months later. And then it sort of clears up the time. Cause right now this whole movie takes place over the course of like, I don't know, f- two days after the first movie. So it's, it's very, it's very hairy. Like the, the time frame, how long they're just sort of sailing along away from the ship. I kind of like the idea of it. The, you know, I know people are like, they're bringing, I understand people who complain about bringing too much sort of hard sci-fi since this film suddenly talks about the need for ship fuel and you know tracking people through light speed and stuff like that that is kind of hard sci-fi in a way that star wars never really was and i understand the aversion to that but i do like it's a different kind of threat rather than oh they have a big laser that's going to blow up this planet now like at a certain point i'm at least relieved they didn't just make another goddamn death star in this one well yeah because they've already done that twice i I get that spoilers for the last film so that's another thing that the, the whole timeline thing is, but like, it's not, does it matter how long or, you know, how many days pass? Yes, you know, necessarily, but also then it, it, it clears up some of those things. Like uh, it, 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 I think it just makes it a little neater. And also uh, it, 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 it can make you set up the, the plot arcs. It gives you more latitude to set up plot arcs. If you have, if you, if you mess around the time frame. Um, I think, I, I don't think it's bad. I, like I said, I really enjoy this movie. It's my favorite of the trilogy spoilers. Um, but it, I, I'm just saying, if I were to make things, that that is my biggest problem with the film. Is just I would probably spread out the time frame a bit. That's fair. I totally get that. So okay, well, let me ask you. As far as so, let's talk about Snoke for a second. In this movie, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. completely he's completely expanded upon now. Snoke in this movie, in last, in la, in the Last Jedi, do you think that it was where JJ was going to take it, or this is one of the things where Ryan Johnson kind of went off on it and did his thing? Oh, I actually really like this because I don't think, I mean, J.J. probably wouldn't have done this. J.J. would have just had him be the Emperor. So in the second film, he would have showed up a little bit. And then the third film, he would have been in a climactic throne room scene um, because J.J. Abrams is going to remake the three movies. Uh, So I I actually, when I watched this time, I was like, oh, shit. Ryan Johnson saw that they just remade A New Hope 
And so in this one, he's like, all right, I'm going to kind of remake Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back at the same time. Because this is the throne room scene from Return of the Jedi. It's just done now. That way we can get past it and move on to new and interesting things. It's like, okay, what if we had to live with the consequences of Darth Vader betraying the Emperor? Except what if Darth Vader is still evil? He's just like, he doesn't want to answer the Emperor anymore. I'm like, that is fascinating to me. This is definitely not where Snoke would go, but also anyone who argues Snoke is wasted, I'm like, he's just as utilized as the Emperor. If you don't like Snoke, you don't like the Emperor. No, I basically... would agree with you on that. I don't... Yeah. See, do you remember when the movie came out, everyone was talking about, oh, Last Jedi is great because it subverts your expectations of what you knew in the first place, of Yoda being this tiny, looking very fragile, weak character, but ends up being this very mighty Jedi warrior. And of course, Snoke is the opposite. He's, you know, in stature in episode seven, he's huge on the, on the, on the hologram. He, he comes off as this huge thing, this huge menacing figure. But then in episode eight, he's just, he's killed very easily. Again, one of the, one of the core absolute problems with the Star Wars movies is, again, it's, it's, it's almost laughable in the, in, in the, the prequel trilogy of how can the good guys not see this happening? You, you almost undo the entire coolness that the original trilogy with the Jedi being able to sense things and they can't see this guy moving behind the behind the scenes the whole time. Don't say, don't you dare say it, Brandon. Well, the 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 bad the the dark side clouds the force. Shut up. I don't want to hear that. I'm so sick of hearing that as everyone's go-to argument. Why do so you think I would say that? Because you just I don't know. It just seems I, I, I was about to would. complain that they all wear robes. Oh fair. Well that's you know that comes from the very you know Asian nature of the I say yeah, because someone someone pointed out to me like yeah, uh, like Obi Wan wore robes because he was just like an old fart living on a desert planet. Like <laughs> that's not like the official uniform of the Jedi. Jedi, <laughs> Jedi with the name with the name tag. Apparently, I, I like, also, well, I guess I guess that is now. But one of the things is like, so Snoke can see in the throne room scene. Snoke he knows what's going on, but he can't sense that Kylo Ren's about to is about to kill him. Are you kidding me? I, with this? I did, I am okay because it's written. Do you pay attention to the words that were said and what uh, happened in the movie? Yes, very Kylo much. Kylo Ren is very strong in the Force, and he specifically he knows he's speci- he's smart enough. He knows he can see inside him. He knows he can't hide from Snoke, so he specifically thinks about what he's doing. So he says, "I see you reaching out with the Force, turning the lightsaber." I'm handle. very, I'm very. I just like, watched it a few think- days ago, and I and I watched that scene three times just to make sure that I wasn't crazy. But I still think intent is a big part of the force being able to sense what's going to happen and intent good or bad is you know what human beings can't do is hide intent in their own head here's so, the thing kylo ren is full of if you look inside kylo ren you should just feel rage all the time he's a he's an angsty okay teen. okay fine fine and so just, his thing, you sense emotion you yoda go when yoda senses in the in the old he goes i sense much fear in you he doesn't go i sense that you are afraid that your mother's going to die and that you're going to become darth vader he doesn't say that <laughs> He senses emotions. So Snoke is good enough to know. He's like, okay, I feel your intentions. You're going to turn a lightsaber handle, switch it on, and strike down your enemy. Your and that enemy. is what Kylo right, Ren right, is no. radiating. And that's exa- I, I that's thought exactly it was really smart does. by Kylo Ren. I think that was a savvy move by Kylo Ren. Well, I just think it's, it's a way in, as, as a writer to go pat himself on the back and be like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did that. Like, I just, I'm not convinced that that's, again. I mean, this isn't like Aaron Sorkin being clever just to be clever. Like, I think... <laughs> I think I think it's I think it is a, 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 a I really like this moment. I thought it was great. I it, it is it is one of the end. it is one of the better moments in this movie for sure, one hundred percent. Because I mean, this move this moment, the Luke moment, which the Luke moment like you mentioned is great, but then the one on on the rock when he goes back to the island, you know, it was it was just him projecting himself is 
laughably bad because he just ascends for some reason. Um, and I, 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 I know mean, Yoda not, just I, lays down and ascends. I know it's not. I know it's not for some reason. He he find he finally ascends. That's kind of Luke's arc in the, the Last Jedi. Is he's able to finally do that? But I still don't buy it. As I mean, you can lay all the stuff out in front of me. I just again, if if, if I were driving the bus, it would, it would have gone very differently. That's but, fine. I but I don't know how to like counteract. I don't buy it as uh, a stance. Well, no, I and I'm, I'm not asking. I'm, I guess I'm not looking for anyone to say that, but okay, that's right. for, any, for anyone to to counterpoint. It's just what they wrote didn't convince me, and I and I, I'm I'm a guy who hardcore is an apologist if the story makes sense. Again, there's so much of this particular movie that doesn't make any sense to me that just kind of comes out of nowhere. That I'm like, what? You really? You're gonna you're gonna tell me all this now? But again, that's also the fact that it was made by two different people who had two different visions. I get that. I do. You know, sometimes I'm. I can imagine people looking at this and being like, "Yeah, maybe it's not the greatest trilogy because it's it doesn't the movies don't talk to each other as well as they should." So that's just that's, one of my. I mean, things. that's fair, but also I, like I said, I, I am very satisfied with what Ryan Johnson is having come in and looking at the end of Seven, and going, "Here's where we're at. Okay, I'll make a movie based on where we're at." I I really enjoyed what he did with it. I totally understand that. Um, that's that's one thing I can't really fault you for, though, is because, I, again, I can see why people like this movie. I'm just not one of those people. And I've had arguments when it came out, and some people really threw some stuff at me that, like, oh, my God, I didn't consider that before. And that's one of the things that I can say I, 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 I liked was, was exactly that. It was everything you've said I've heard before, and I can see and accept. I just choose not to because I don't – it's my personal – I just don't like it. But yeah. again, I want to make that very clear because I don't like it doesn't make it bad. I want to make that yeah. very clear. What I'm saying here is so that's just, you know, that's fair. What I'm saying. I, I, I will say just briefly, and I, one thought I forgot to mention. Yeah, my plan, if, if I had them on the ship the whole time doing a secret mission like on the Star Destroyer, um, one thing that would do would then enable us to have Captain Phasma be more of a character because basically she would then be the primary antagonist for them throughout their little quest line, uh, which then would help because. It's cheesy, and like I said, I, not all the pieces are written in the correct way for his arc, but it is the right kind of cheesy when he rises up and she goes, you're scum, and he says, rebel scum, and hits her in the goddamn face. Like, it, it is cheesy, and but it's like B-movie action serial kind of cheesy that I like in Star Wars. No, like, then, you may not and, agree and with all his arc, no, but I and, think that is, that is how the arc should have ended when he finally <laughs> accepts being a rebel. No, I totally get that, and that's something that I 100% agree with you with, is... That kind of that kind of stuff is great, actually. Yeah, so, like I said, I, I wish that. Phasma had been used more and set up more as the antagonist. But uh, it's it, what a great moment when he rises up uh, and just rebel scum hits her in the face. Boom! Art complete. Let's do this. Let's talk about Phasma for a second. How she's just kind of like quietly done. Well, not quietly, but just done away with in this movie. When clearly that character was intended to make it to the third movie. Uh, that is a bold stance. I think J.J. Abrams thought it'd be cool to have a chrome stormtrooper cast Gwendolyn Christie and goes, well, we could do something with that. You, that's it. You could say clearly, but J.J. Abrams, while in his mind, may have thought like, yeah, we'll do something with her. Just saying we'll do something with X isn't a plan. No, I totally understand that. Um, I don't think in his heart of hearts he had any idea what he would do with her. He's just like, uh, it's going to look cool. And it does look cool. On, she looks on. cool. I, I agree with you only because only because it's J.J. Abrams. And like, like you said before, he loves to introduce stuff cool and then just kind of 
just like just go away from it forever and never go back to it. I mean, loss is a one hundred percent example of that ten yep. times over. So that's one hundred. That I I agree with you on on that one. Yeah, um, in, in a traditional but better made film, you introduce a character like that to have an arc um, that they don't have. To be fair, it could fair. that character could have ended in the second film in a satisfactory way if they were used a little differently. And like one of the things I also have a problem with in this movie is, and I don't think you will either. Is or I don't think you have a problem. I think you will have a problem with this too. Is what I'm trying to say is 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 Rose and Finn. I never liked Rose as a character anyway, but when Finn is finally accepting that he's gonna he's gonna do the the Independence Day, he's gonna drive right in the laser beam, blow it up, and if he does that. The first order have no way to get to get in that massive shield door. None. No, you're wrong. Because they, they have their whole fleet there. Like basically, it delays them like twenty minutes. Fine. I but think that's the whole point was to delay. I think Rose. I like Rose as a character because I like seeing someone who's like in the resist, like on the ground level. That's not a general. That's like born and bred. Loves the resistance. It's the sort of person that Finn needed along with him. Uh, literally, the only thing I would change is I wouldn't have them kiss in the end because I think it confuses the message. Uh, I like I like her saving him, going like, "Hey, like we need to protect. Like the thing that makes us different is not like fighting against what we like. The fighting against what we hate, it's fighting for what we love. And so, like keeping our friends around and fighting for each other, I think because yeah, I I I disagree that they wouldn't have been able to get in that quickly. I I think they could have landed down. Uh, fast enough. I, I'm I'm fine with it. I, I I'm not saying I would have done it if I was writing the script, but I, no, that, I that, like that, wh- that whole sequence was that whole entire sequence of events was written because they wanted Luke there. Period. And 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 to 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 me it was like to to me it's the same thing as the as in the Dark Knight the the Joker in the interrogation room is they wanted Joker in the interrogation room and they wanted him out of the interrogation room, but then they thought, hmm, how do we do this? Oh, let's just put a random cop in there that the Joker is able to rile up and get the best of. To me, this is the same thing as we, we, we want Luke there. We want the cool sunset. We want the cool scene. How do we make it happen? And then this is the set piece they came up I with. I mean, by that regard, within the confines say, of the story to make it make sense. I could say almost anything about any scene like, Oh, okay. Well, what needed to happen to set the scene up? Well, that just happened then to make sure this happened. Like I, well, I, mean, I don't well, fine, I don't but so you see, you're telling, I mean, I just, every time they make a military move, it is the absolute dumbest thing no military commander in the history of military command would ever do anything that any of these people do in any of these three movies. None. Making these foolish head-on charges when they have no way of winning, would, it's completely asinine. 100%. So, I mean, either the, 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 the writer has no respect for the military or they, they understand that the, who they're pitching this movie to is nine out of ten people that buy this ticket aren't smart enough to know any – aren't smart enough to know – on to the to the contrary, one also, of the two is true. The resistance is also like a lot of farm boys in the resistance. Like Dak, like Luke's friend was just one of the top resistance pilots. Who's just like dude from Tatooine was one of their best pilots. Like the <laughs> resistance is not necessarily like while Leia has experience at this stuff, uh, she's also not a ground commander. Like she, you know, I, I, I don't agree with your your negative assessment of that. Like I, I, I get what you're going for, and I I'm not you know I'm not here to change anyone's mind. I, no, I don't no, feel no, no. I'm way. not I'm not I'm not asking. I'm not trying to do change anyone's mind. However, it's just to me that entire setup is one of the laziest. Again, you bring Luke in. I mean, look, I thought it was before any of the three characters. I was actually surprised that 
that they didn't find a way for Han to communicate with Luke again. I was actually very surprised that all three of them, by the time this was over, what didn't sit down at least one time in a room and talk as young Luke, young Leia, young Han. I'm very surprised that did not happen. Oh, given you the fact about that the flashback? Well, no, 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 no. In this, in the new trilogy, before Han Solo died, he talked to Leia, didn't he? Am I yeah, but you that? said young. No, no, you no, said no. Young Luke, no, no, young. no. I don't. I mean, as the characters they are talking in a room uh, as if no time had passed. Oh yeah, that's JJ though. You can put that Ryan Johnson. JJ killed uh, Han Solo before Luke got introduced. Like, I, I agree that they also. It's it's crazy that we never see them together again. But also, I don't put that at Last Jedi's feet. Well, no, I, I don't put it at anyone's feet except. I mean, Harrison Ford also said, "JJ, you got me from one movie. That's it. I'm going to give you one." And then that's it. So make a count. Um, we all know that Harrison did not want to do three movies. He did not want to be Han Solo again for three starring roles. So exactly. period. That, that, that's just but, it. But yeah, I understand. Like that, it is crazy that that happened. But you know, in terms of uh, things with the Last Jedi, that's you know, I, I think that's a ship that sailed. Because also, it's insane that like I understand they the it's just because Carrie Fisher passed away. Like it's insane having him come back as a memory projection whatever in the third one like han solo should be gone he's just a dude he should be gone that's just, that's that's just it though it's like this it continues to do things that don't make any sense i mean han solo coming back again we'll, we'll get more into it than them and we go over to the other movie in one or two minutes but it just doesn't make any sense he's not a jedi he's not he doesn't have the force he was the guy who fought against it who thought it was ridiculous that's mm. actually one of the one of the best moments in Episode seven is when he's telling Finn and Poe in the, the Millennium Falcon that no, it's no, guys, yep. it's a real like that's one of the best. That is one of the best moments of that movie. The, the you know the 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 not too tense score comes up in the background and yep. you see like his eyes are committed to like no, this is I've seen it. I have seen I, things that I would never have thought were possible. Agreed. So that was one of the best moments. Period. Ag- I mean, yep, agreed. Very good. All right. Well, that's all, that's the whole thing with I just we'll just take a minute to wrap up the Last Jedi. But I, to me, this is the weakest of the three movies. Only and look, I can appreciate now. This is my personal take on this movie. Is I appreciate the bold gestures it takes to to almost get out of being typecast into what it's going to do. I appreciate that. I just don't think it works. At least for me, as someone who is story intensive, I just don't think it worked to satisfy my need. Then again, that's just me. You liked it, so you know I can understand why you like it, and I don't begrudge you any of your points. So, oh yeah, yeah. No, I I I love this film. Like I said, it's not perfect. I would change things, but you know, I give it a full point higher. I would say than I give. Last, well, what, uh, what about the last? What about the how it how we leave Luke? I don't think you ever said anything about that. How we leave him in the on the rock, and, he, and then he just oh, extends. like the force projecting himself across the galaxy, like <laughs> use the last of his strength. He's wiped. That that's it. I mean, it makes sense. To, like, force is magic. So this magic space energy that he had, he used all his mana. He's out of mana. He died. Like, I understand it. I understand oh it gosh. as detailed as the force in in any other in the original Star Wars film before they introduced Metaclorians and that stuff. Like, the force is this magic energy that connects us. He did this amazing thing that we've never seen someone project a fully realized version of themselves that far across the galaxy. They can interact with things. Can project little trinkets into Carrie Fisher's hands. Like, that's taxing on the body. He hasn't been connected to the Force in years. You see how exhausted he is when he comes out of the trance. 
and he's like all right cool i'm done i'm just gonna i'm going on to my reward in the force now i'm you know giving up and then letting go i get that but have we ever seen someone do it where they looked real before i mean yoda just fades in a bed just because he looks really old no 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 no. i'm talking the the projections we see are always like very you know they're they're a different color they're holographic they're very oh that's like, that, that's it that's thing this is the first time anyone's done like a force projection like this that that's, that's it. this is the first time we've seen anyone do this it, so it was a new force power if you're mad about like i understand people like you can't do it with the force i'm like well I mean, the Force is an ill-defined magic entity in Star Wars, so I'm fine but with I'm it. But I'm saying, but that's what movies do, is they set up the universe to explore it, so or to define things. But that's... So, well, so, when, the, when, so when he walks in the cave and sits down with Leia, they touch. He holds her hand. And then when he's outside fighting with Kylo Ren, sometimes his saber connects. You know, there's a, there's a moment where like their their bodies connect, but then when Kylo goes to kill him, it just goes right through. It just yeah. there's things about it that don't make any sense. No, because he basically since he is controlling with the Force, he is he is making he's projecting an image of himself into everyone's minds so they could see him, and then he is using the Force to stop Kylo's lightsaber when it would hit his uh, fake image of a lightsaber. It's he's doing an insane amount of like this is Luke doing crazy force stuff. This is what people want. They're like, oh, he should be the most powerful OG Jedi doing crazy things with the force. This is an insane thing he's doing with the force. He is projecting this mental image into all the people on that planet so they can all see him, so they all believe this is happening. And then anytime the lightsaber should stop Kylo Ren's lightsaber, he uses the force to stop Kylo Ren's lightsaber so it reacts like it should. And then when he's ready to reveal the the game, he doesn't stop with the force and Kylo Ren slices through the projected image and he goes, wait, you're not even here? I'm totally fine with it. I think it's a great moment. I think it's a really cool twist. It lets you have your cake and eat it too because like I said, it's insane to say, Luke, you should just go around and kill the first order with your lightsaber but then you still get the cool moment of him showing up and facing down the the first order and also doing really amazing force stuff at the same time. Two birds, one stone. Love it. (laughs) Okay, we have to talk about one more thing. I completely, this is in my notes, and I have to, I can't. I, are they human beings? You know where I'm going with this. Are they human beings? The, you know, Luke, Leia, Han. Most, most things that we see that aren't a weird creature, are they human beings? I mean, maybe. I, I, as no, much no, no, as they no, are no. in any other Star Wars film. I okay, don't, fine. I, but the whole thing with Leia and the, 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 the hull being blown open, not by Kylo, who doesn't do it because it's a bit smother, and that's one of those moments. But then the TIE fighters behind him, they completely blow a hole in the hull, and she just, she's just floating in space. And she just, mm-hmm. I, okay, I understand I'm watching fiction. I understand I'm, you know, there's a little bit of disbelief here that I have to completely suspend. But that, to me, is one of the things I'm like, who didn't have the balls to say no to Ryan Johnson? Be like, look, no, you a lot of ridiculous shit in this script. That cannot happen. Because yeah, she's a couple a human things being. there. First off, when 2001 came out, they uh, had science pamphlets to explain to people that you can actually survive in the vacuum of space for a period of time if you're not holding your breath. Um, that's just a fact, a science fact. Um, for for like one second? No, for like th- I think it's like thirty some seconds. If uh, you're you not, survive. if you're not holding your breath. Yeah, basically, because if you if you're like trying to hold your breath and then like the the vacuum will just like rip the air out of you. Um, so you're now, telling gen- me if I just if I just get blasted in the space and I and I and I, I get to where the blue turns to black and I just breathe normally, I have thirty seconds to live. In well, you, you can't breathe in because there's nothing to breathe in, but it's it's something like that. I mean, you you will get cold. Like that's the thing; she will get cold. But also, there's force magic in this movie, so I can't really justify that. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm just letting you know, being in the vacuum of space for a short period of time is possible. Um, 
it, yeah, 2001. That's it. Because in 2001, they have him do a jump from like uh, an escape pod to an emergency entrance on the outside of the ship. And Stanley Kubrick was obsessed with people not saying he got something wrong with the science. So some theaters, they had pamphlets going. No, like, Look, I, here's this I understand that. But again, it's the force just can't be this undefined thing. I mean, can it? Well, I, I mean, well, all of a sudden in episode three, you can shoot lightning out of your hands or in Return of the Jedi. Like, well, what well, we've seen, they're always making it do weird shit. Yeah, but I mean, like within the confines of those movies, I that's the Emperor's an evil dude. Shooting lightning is an evil thing. Fine, whatever. I get it. Fine. But like to me, it's just so human beings can breathe. OK, I may be just nitpicking a little bit too far here, but that was just a bridge too far for me. I couldn't, I can never I mean, accept that. I anything. think it's a little silly, but it yes, doesn't thank like you. derail the film in my head. Okay, but also fine. it's no. Star Wars. Sometimes it's a little silly. No, I'm fine. I'll accept that. That's that's fine. I, I'm glad you think it's a little silly, but it doesn't derail it for you. I guess it didn't derail the whole movie for me, but it, it's like one of those things like, what in the hell? That's do, it. I think, I think, think if you don't like the movie overall, that thing, those things are going to rub against you. And since I really like the movie overall, like the little things that, Maybe like oh, I wouldn't do that. Like that, I just shrug them off because I fair. like okay. the overall thing. Fair, 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 fair. That's all. That's what I want to talk about. So let's move into Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker, which is, I mean, after watching Episode Seven, Episode Eight, and how different they were, and the tones a little off, I was thinking to myself, how in the hell are they going to find a way to wrap this up in one movie? And to me. He, it was fine. I didn't have a major problem with it. I, oh, I mean, I, I kind of accepted what it was, and just look. This movie is is just a bunch of random moments that are strung together by characters. I get it. There's nothing. This is. I mean, I think that's as accurate a way to explain this as any. I mean, they go so a million miles an hour, never stop into, and then they have you believe in the beginning that not only has Palpatine been alive, but he's been pulling strings behind the scenes this whole time. And then they have you believe that, you know, not only is he on alive, but he's on the Sith homeworld of Exegol and raises this impossible fleet, which thousands upon thousands of destroyers are just risen from the ground. I get it. That is as dumb as anything I've talked about on this episode of origin story. I get it. I'm going to be the I, first I, to admit it. I just want you to take a brief second, though. So, like, you're introducing <laughs> this guy as, like, the super evil magic force user. He's the super Sith, and his evil plan is to make a fleet of ships. Well, like, his, his, his plan is to, be, is to, again, dominate the galaxy as he wants to. I understand did. that, but also, once again, like, I'm like, at least, like, be a cool magic thing you're doing, not like, I have a bunch of ships, and all of them have a cannon that can blow up a planet. Like, oh, God. Well, okay, so this came out in 2019, December, right around the uh, the same time frame as the other two, right in the Christmas holiday season in December, taking away the May release date. Again, everyone comes back to reprise their roles, which is a good thing. I'm glad that that, no, that never changed. That, that, that could have changed. That would have been bad. But And we also get Billy D. Williams back as Lando Calrissian, which I thought was super cool. Carrie Russell as Zori Bliss. Again, I think it's that's really cool. It, it, it adds kind of a weird kind of levity to the movie that I'm not saying the movie I, didn't have already, but I was okay with her character. I, I was in general okay with her character, other than the fact that it, it, it really feels like a studio note to make sure that, uh, okay, we got to cement that uh, Finn and Poe aren't gay. Like, it's very important that we need to make sure they're not gay. 
So let's give them both girlfriends in this you know, movie. I, I, I wrote that in, in my notes. I was like, ah, do I have to say that? And it's funny you said it because thank you. Because I wasn't. I, it, well, because I'm, about, like, here's the thing. I'm not saying they have to be gay, but like it feels so specific that they both have female love interests in this movie. They need to be like, they can't be gay. We need to make sure that everyone knows like they're not gay. It's important. They're not gay. I'm like, maybe they don't have a relationship. Like, that's fine too. Like, they could just be people fighting a war. Well, no, it's also, I mean, it's also, I do love that, I mean, but the thing with Rose and Finn, what was set up in the last movie, it wasn't in this movie. So they, they did just went with it and gave Poe some, and created a character for Poe to also have in his backstory. Well, yeah, yeah. With, um, well, Finn, here's the thing with Rose and Finn. Honestly, I said the kiss was a mistake because I don't think it was, I don't think that was intended as an actual romantic relationship. I think that was just meant as like a, a sort of familial friendship love between the two of them. That's why I think the kiss was a mistake. Because nothing else in the text of that leads to romantic relationship between the two of them. It is like a caring friendship. Um, but regardless, that that is my take on it. Keep so going going, going into this movie, tell me what you were thinking after having seen the the seven, episode seven, episode eight, and before you were you know as the, the days leading up to when you knew you were going to go watch this movie when when you had time when you had your ticket whatever. What was going through your mind? Uh, I was so upset before he went in because basically the trailers they designed all the marketing to let they. I mean they're never gonna say this, but like they're like sorry for all the fanboys who got really mad at Last Jedi. We're gonna undo all that. Is basically the message that Disney put out loud and clear for everyone to hear. Yeah, the tra- the, the movie and the trailer prominently feature like one of the greatest thematic moments in Last Jedi was Kylo Ren smashing his helmet. His stance coming out of the film was let the past die. And they literally have him reforge his helmet in the start of this one. Like, sorry about that. Let's undo, let's undo this both like symbolically and act and, and literally in this film, we're going to undo that. Uh, so like going in that, bringing back the emperor. Cause they're like, Oh no, we don't have our big mysterious force user bad behind the scenes to be the actual person we're fighting. I'm like, you could have made a perfectly serviceable film. Uh, fight like with Kylo Ren and trying to turn him back to the light as the force side of the story and then General Hux could have been like leading an army and and fighting like you could have still had a space battle thing you have other people in the 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 empire or the the first order rather uh so like going in Mar- Disney was so clear about sorry about that we're going to undo everything don't worry Ray's going to be someone important I was like I was I was already disheartened going in because it like thematically took away all the things that I really liked in Last Jedi. See, that's what I was excited for. One of the things I was excited for was, oh no, they undid all that crap Ryan Johnson did. Fine. It's like you and I are very opposite ends of the spectrum with episode eight. And if I was mm-hmm. going to give episode eight a number, when I walked out of episode eight, it would have been a three. <laughs> but now but now I'm going to give it a five. So I didn't. I, well, so you're obviously going to give it the highest of three, which, which is what? Oh, uh, with that, probably seven, eight. Okay, fair. Okay, but one I of really my like, I really like it. one of my biggest concerns in this movie was right before, weeks before this movie came out, I saw something. I was clicking around the internet and just came to this article where John Boyega. I forget what magazine he he did an interview for going going into episode nine, but he was talking about how much he wanted to be a Jedi, and I was like, I remember like thinking when I was reading the article, like, well, that's it. That's the one way they can make this worse is making him a fucking Jedi, because that doesn't that doesn't speak at all with the characters we've been given making him a Jedi makes no sense. And like, I was going into this movie. I was terrified. They were going to make him a Jedi. Like, well, if you believe, if you believe JJ was after the fact, that's what he was going to say. 
Wait, that was his original plan was to make him a Jedi? Uh, no, but basically, but basically, JJ, even in the finale, JJ can't stop himself from setting up mysteries. Uh, that whole, uh, Ray, in case we die, I never said, and then he can't finish it. Uh, JJ was asked, like, at a convention or something, what that was going to be. And he and he's, he has said on the record that it was going to be that uh, Finn was going to say that he's force sensitive. <laughs> well, no, I sense because there are moments in this movie where he does kind of commune with the force. And I feel like that was. Because in the article it talks about how he spoke to he spoke to JJ several times before they started shooting, before the script was done, about how much he wanted to be a Jedi. I think that was JJ's way of like giving him, him a bone. Like kind of like meeting him halfway was kind of giving him the ability I'm, to sense things. I'm glad they didn't do it, because honestly, like I mean in the main Star Wars series I'm fine with it, but in general, I, I I want the Star Wars series to just have the confidence to do some stuff with no Jedi in it. I 100% agree with you, but that's never going to happen again. But, I mean, if they ever pick up the Skywalker saga, which they may, I don't think it'll be soon. I think it'll be 10, 15 years if they even hint at that again. But um, if they do, then it's a possibility. I just, that was the one thing I was like, that's it. That's the one thing that's going to make this trilogy completely shit is making him a Jedi. Because there's no way nothing has spoken to us about him being a Jedi ever. All right, new idea. What about this? What if every single person in the Resistance was given a lightsaber and the last battle was just like... (laughs) 400 untrained people just running in a field with lightsabers towards a bunch of emperor clones. <laughs> I'm laughing right now because like, I can see the hilarity in it, but I mean, we, we got that in Attack of the Clones. We yeah. got that. Like, <laughs> we, we already got, which look, a cool scene seeing all those different color lightsabers, but that, that was one of the... It's a, it's a, that's a remarkably silly scene. No, no, but fundamentally, that one scene is everything that is wrong with the prequels is, is encompassed in one three-minute scene right there. It's just it's completely asinine what's going on. But even when like I, every time I think of that scene, I think of the what um, Red Letter Media says of making the lightsaber un- irrelevant in its own universe by giving the lightsaber to a thing with like dreadlock heads that like spin around when he moves. So like you're gonna cut your head off. Like why would you give that guy a lightsaber? He's gonna cut his head off. Hey, we don't uh, disrespect Kit Fisto on this podcast. <laughs> That's a great name, by the way. Kid, oh, no, the Star Wars names are, are uh, atrocious. Uh, fucking yeah. atrocious, man. Um, so, okay. I, I can't stop thinking about what you just said. The scene just gave me a bunch of I was just pitching you. Like, that would be the worst thing. I was like, is it? What if this happened instead? <laughs> With all those Emperor clones in the in, in the stadium, which appear out of nowhere again. Oh boy, um, that oh, oh boy. So here's the thing with nine, and I think we're gonna go a little longer than half hour for this, so buckle up. Um here's the thing with nine is for some reason JJ thought, and I don't know why, though I was happy they chose to pretty much ignore eight, except for the fact like Snoke was dead and a few story beats, they did completely ignore eight. Um, but like that again presents problems to telling the story. And I mean Again, I was mad at them almost making Finn a Jedi, but I mean, equally as mad as why the fuck is Palpatine back? How could you possibly write that into a script and a studio take you seriously? Oh, uh, I mean, not only that, but not only do you write that in a script, but you sp- literally write the line somehow Palpatine's back. Oh yeah, yeah. When when they're, when they're having their briefing before the final, but somehow Palpatine's back, and then he just kind of glosses over it. But there's I, some you know there's some A plus lines in this. Oh boy. In a weird way, I really kind of, and this is this is not a popular opinion, I'm sure, but in a weird way, I really kind of dig that Rey's a Palpatine, or that yeah. she is at least has Sith 
roots in her family. That's how they chose to go with it. That's how they chose the course correct. I'm aware, but I'm actually, as someone who likes story, and again, that's going to, I'm sure it doesn't that's make sense. That's making it sound like I forward. don't like story. That's, I'm just saying. No, no, no. I'm just saying is, is me though, is I'm actually kind of okay with that. Even as completely out of left field as it was, I'm actually kind of okay with that because in this movie, it makes sense. My bigger problem is that like the whole arc is, because uh, since I'm just choosing not to ignore the previous film, uh, if the whole arc was Ray trying to, or um, Kylo trying to turn Ray over to the dark side, if he looked into her past and felt like Sith bloodlines, that would be a major thing. Like you want to connect with your family. Like there is darkness in your past. You come from a line of Sith. Like that would be a major selling point. If uh, I was trying to turn her to the dark side, like that would be interesting. If she like came from a family, like if it was the whole arc, but I'm like, okay, but we already established. No, like, so just bringing that in at the 11th hour, it doesn't work for me. And also having it be Palpatine, who is also back. Reincar- I might like it more if Palpatine weren't reincarnated. But since he's also reincarnated, I, I just everything about it tastes like garbage in my mouth. Well, it just does. But again, Palpatine is a villain I'm okay with because I've you know I've, I've I know who he is. I've seen him. I've you know, do you even... know who he is? Because at first I know he's just an old guy. Like I mean, the prequels, what they were, whatever. He's just kind of an old guy who's like, I'm evil. Is basically the characterization of Palpatine. Unlimited power. Yeah, yeah, like he's he's funny in a B movie kind of way. Like in this whole, he's just he's just evil. That is his character trait. He doesn't. There's no depth to him. Well, I'm actually surprised that they don't. The only people that I mean, the the irony here is the prequel trilogy is the only one that delves into a Sith versus a Jedi. What what is what? Which is which? What 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 makes one what? And the midi chlorines, which I just read last night, that JJ had every intention of ex, of exploring. Or no, George Lucas, if the sequel trilogy would have been made by him would have been about midi chlorines, the Sith and the Jedi defining each what makes them each. But I mean, that's, that probably was, if it was made by Lucas, I'm sure it would have been just atrocious again. But one thing I would have been okay with the whole, she's a, she's a Palpatine thing is, is if in the end of the, of the number, number eight, Luke, when he's narrating, I'm, I will not be the last, but I don't know how they would fit it in was, there, there is another, but Sith or Jedi. Like that would have been kind of cool. Like, oh, okay, this is because like there's all kinds of in the end of this movie, in the end of nine, I would have been okay with him dying and her living. I would have been okay with her dying and him living. I would have been okay with them both dying. I would have, you know, or them both living. I would have been okay with multiple different combinations of things, only because like why the hell not? It doesn't matter anyway because this movie kind of just does its own thing. But with that. I think, I mean, I'm okay. what I'm trying to say long-winded is I don't have a problem with her being Palpatine. I actually think it was one of the, the brighter points of this movie is her being a Palpatine. Like, I, I'd say I have a hard time divorcing it from Palpatine also being there. Uh, <laughs> and also in general, I like the idea of her parents being no one. That's, I, I get it. So, okay, so let's, we're jumping into episode nine again. Let's do the opening, the, the opening crawl. All right, the dead speak. The galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge, and a sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. General Leia Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence, while Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trains for a battle against a diabolical First Order. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power. Actually, again, this is, of the three, this is the title crawl I don't mind, I I actually kind of like, because it 
it is in theme with Star Wars and it is in theme with characters. I mean, oddly enough, because it doesn't match mesh with seven and eight, but you know, I like the opening when he finds Palpatine and Palpatine's like, my boy, I made Snoke. After he's like, I destroyed Snoke, I'll kill you too. And he's like, my boy, I am the OG. I made him. Again, raises more questions than it ever answers. Because how did he make him? Was, was it a midi-chlorine? Was it a Vader deal? Was he a, an old apprentice? What? What's going on here? But, you know, you may not agree with that. But I kind of like the opening of this movie. I think it's silly. And it's silly, like, I don't care. Like, once again, it's silly. If, you, if you're kind of fine with it, it's, it's good. But if this is silly and I didn't like it. So, But I'm only fine with it because this is this whole thing is a silly package to begin with because it's i know going into it that it was course correcting from the second movie and that's hard to do in a three movie trilogy you don't have much time to course correct yeah again though when you're course correcting for something that uh, i personally like then I'll, you know wh- why would i enjoy any er- erasing of the things that i enjoy well but you're a star wars fan when it comes down to it so i mean there are yeah, things Star Wars fan who didn't want palpatine back who thought is the first this is the first way to open up with a montage that was weird. That struck me as weird watching it. True. I mean, that's very against nature for this film, for a film in this franchise. Sure. And we have had like other movies. Of course, we had the First Order, or not First Order, what did I say that? A Rogue One. Um, Solo, Rogue One, we've had Mandalorian, which have all been, except for, I mean, Solo, whatever. It's, it's, a, it's a serviceable movie. I just didn't like it. Um, you know, they've all been okay, I guess, but this one really had to be decent, and it wasn't, and it still crossed the billion-dollar mark. It was like $1.5 billion it made, maybe more than that, like $1.7 maybe, I think. That's saying, honestly, any of these movies didn't have to be anything at all, and they would have made that much money. Even if, even if like, Seven crashed and burned, they still would have made probably a billion dollars on Eight and Nine. Like, it, like it, there's just a built-in fan base. Out of, like, I, I, knew, I knew they were going to undo everything I liked about Episode Eight, and I still went and saw Nine. Well, you weren't going to watch eight of them and not watch the ninth one. Come on, yeah. man. I mean, you weren't going to have all... I mean, same with Fast and the Furious we talked about. You weren't going to watch five of them and not just finish it. Although five be good, five is the best of them. So <laughs> that's, that's why I stopped there. And that's five why I, so I used five. <laughs> Matter of fact, let's talk about Fat and the Kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so, okay. Give me, give me some examples of things in this movie you really had a big issue with as far as episode nine. Um, Like, okay, so she reforges Luke's lightsaber that was split in the last film. And also they introduced that Leia had a lightsaber. I'm like, why just have her either build her lightsaber, have her use Leia's lightsaber. That's kind of fun. The reveal that Leia had some training, like that'd be a whole way. It's like her training with Leia is so dumb and silly, like in a bad way. It's like, Oh man, people were mad. She didn't do the Jedi training. We better show her like jogging through the woods and doing the blaster training as if, that's the only because we saw Luke do that. That's the only way to train as a Jedi. It's, it, it, yeah, every all of this just smacks so silly. The the quest they go on, like, oh, we need this dagger to point to a thing. To hold, on, a hold on, hold on, hold on. The whole dagger thing. So you're 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 hiding a Sith wayfinder. By by the way, first we've ever heard of this. You're yes. hiding a very valuable trinket of the enemy. That the enemy left in a ship that's been destroyed for a long time, and someone who could have just retrieved it made a cutout on a dagger mm-hmm. to look like, so you yep. know where exactly, I mean, come on, that whole thing is just absolutely the most, the most asinine plot point. Like ever. it's fun for the Goonies. Like <laughs> if this was a ragtag group of kids who found an old dagger in their roof and it was some pirate treasure. Yeah, that's great. And, and, and not having, and 
3PO able to read the language of the Sith, but on his protocols don't allow him to recite it. Are you kidding me? Like that's what they came up with for as far as an explanation. It seems I'm 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 throwing a lot of shade at this movie, but this movie also is one of those movies I could turn on and just enjoy for if I'm doing whatever. This, this movie reeks of they knew what they wanted like the ending to be. And they, they did the like opening to like just get everything to where they wanted to be, set all the pieces, undo everything that they needed to from the last movie. And then like they got to Act 2 and they're like, I don't know. What should we do in Act 2? Uh, okay, here's here's 10 pages of Act 2. All right, uh, here's the next 10 pages of Act 2. All right, here's another 10 pages. Well, you, you know right. when they were writing, they were like, wait a minute. Then, you know, like someone's like, hey, can we get Billy D back for this? Like, And they're like, yeah. I'm like, all right, Lando's back here. <laughs> you know, it's almost like they didn't. It's so disjointed in the writing too. It's just like. This is the time now when Lando decides to make contact after. Yeah, also, he's just like chilling on this carnival planet. They just happen to run into him. Yeah, this, like, so that's the whole thing. Is like again, one of the major problems of the of the first two trilogies. People kept pointing out after the the prequel trilogies was to the rest of the galaxy. This doesn't matter. This doesn't. Nothing's going to change to the average person who wakes up, goes to work, goes home, drinks his whatever space juice, goes goes to sleep, wakes up. You know, this doesn't matter to anyone outside of the resistance and the the empire. It doesn't matter to any of them. So yeah, I thought. It's hard. I, I mean, to be fair, we don't know because especially if they're coded as Nazis, like they're coded pretty clearly as Nazis in the original trilogy. I'm like, I I imagine there are at least some people that the empire being in charge versus the republic being in charge is not a good thing for. Well, fine, but that's like Republicans and Democrats now for us. It's just. You know, sometimes uh, well, once power, again, they're coded as Nazis. They're not coded as like a political party. They're coded as not no, like I'm not but, saying that we, we don't see like, you know, them committing genocide or anything. But you can't specifically code your enemies as Nazis and then have us go like, eh, what's the big deal? One party's the same as the other. But have we outside? I mean, have we ever seen an example of them doing atrocities to and, and please don't chime in with episode seven and it'd be like they were looking for something specific and that's where it was have we ever seen them mistreat any of the people in the galaxy have we ever, have we ever seen them again we don't really go anywhere in the galaxy that's not an active war zone or a secret jedi temple that thing we don't really <laughs> explore kind of the galaxy in that way no one so ever... but i'm saying so you you're filling in since we don't see it you're assuming it's fine and i'm like well the bad guys are coded as nazis so i'm filling in the stuff we don't see as if Nazis were in charge. Fair. I mean, I get that. And when I said the Democrats, Republican, I, I didn't mean to say that they're like, I just mean to say like some things might change depending on which party is in the presidential seat at the time. Oh yeah. But like all those people in Canto Blight, all the rich people, nothing's going to change for them. They don't give a shit. Um, but I'm, I'm saying there are probably some people in the galaxy who had it slightly better, if still bad under. Right. Okay. Well, that's Republican. okay. Fine. But it's just, to me, it's just like, what does it take to join the resistance, and and how do you get to the point where you want to join the resistance, and and who's how, where do you go to join join the resistance? Is there like a recruiting? Go here to join the resistance. That seems like a really bad idea. Uh, it just I completely got off topic. What we're talking about, but the what we're talking about the episode of, nine. No, 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 no. But what what led us to that? I don't remember what led us to that. The the dagger. The oh the oh uh, yeah, we make fun of the, the Goonies dagger. Oh yeah, the, the the Goonies dagger. Something like a national treasure. The Goonies. It's it just. And then she finds it, and then she sends a message back to like, "Hey, follow these coordinates; it'll take you right to Exegol." It's like, oh my god! Oh, I could just, I could just see JJ when he's making this like, 
when they're like, wait a minute, does this make sense? Like, fuck it, go shoot it. It's also, honestly, it's the same thing for the first movie. Like, Luke's on a Jedi planet we can't find because we don't have the specific coordinates. Like, oh, now we have that. Like, it's the same thing, but now it's just the Sith version. Like, oh, he's on a planet we can't find. Oh, oh, now we have the coordinates. But now he just made extra steps in the middle. That's the whole thing. It's like, none of this movie makes sense. But what this movie is full of is those stupid, your brain likes moments. Like, for instance, like, I mean, I don't care what you say. And, and this, I think this does have a lot of influence in Harry Potter, which probably took influence from the lightsaber battles in the original trilogy. Is And the, pre- the prequel trilogy was the... The, the 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 final showdown between Emperor Palpatine and um, Ray, I thought, I mean, that's just one of those stupid, awesome moments that you know it's like he's I am all the Sith, and then and then you, you you as she's slowly making her way towards fighting off the Force lightning, you you hear the lightsaber in the background like like coming closer and closer to her, especially in the theater when I watched that when I watched it in the Dolby, like you that was awesome is. And then she goes, I am all the Jedi, and then just crosses her sabers. That's just awesome, man. That's a great movie moment, period. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you like. If you isolate that 45 seconds, that is awesome. doesn't matter. Like all the Jedi way. talking to her and her standing up and doing I am the Jedi is yes, good. Yes, that's, 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 that's great. But the rest of the end fight is so dumb. <laughs> but, I mean, okay, is it anything other than what you'd expect watching the rest of this movie? No, like that's that's the problem. I don't like the rest of the movie either, and so the <laughs> ending matches. That's fair. Wait, wait. Why don't you like that ending? You you know, of course, I love that ending because it's written a big a weird point. choir of chanting people that oh, seem to serve no function. Him and like some weird harness thing. Uh, he's made a he's made a his evil plan is to make a fleet of ships and possess her body. It's it's real dumb. It's dumb in a way that I don't have fun with. Like if it's dumb and I, I that's the thing. It's it's subjective at a certain point because. There are, as we said, there's a lot of dumb things in Star Wars films, and if you have fun with them, then you can enjoy it. And the dumb things in this movie, I just didn't have fun with. Well, I, I will say that they they set up the whole the galaxy rises up thing. They've they've been setting that up since pretty much the beginning of Episode Seven. So I appreciate that's how it happened, and I think that's how JJ saw it happen too. Because I mean, like he set it up in Episode Seven, and then it's revisited in Episode Eight. Though it's not JJ, I'm sure it's that's a big theme that Ryan Johnson was asked to touch on, and then. I mean, them them making a foolhardy attack with against numbers that just it it makes just no sense to make it a full on attack. But knowing that or assuming help will come, like again, that go that 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 taps into your primal part of your brain. It's like okay, that's bravery on a weird level. I'm okay with it. Although there's no way to gauge. I mean, they all would have been killed within thirty seconds of that battle's period. It doesn't. Like, I mean, they, all, they would have been killed so quick. I'm fine with them charging into battle with bad numbers. Like, I understand that, but the fact that the battle, it, like, at this point, on a meta level, let's take it outside of the story. Disney's gotten how much shit for like they just keep putting Death Stars in movie. Like, okay, another <laughs> Death Star movie, we got it. And so then this one, they make a fleet of Star Destroyers, each of which has a cannon that can destroy a planet. I'm like, you made a fleet of Death Stars. Way to go! You did it. You did it, Disney. You made even more Death Stars in this movie. It's well, so, I mean, it's, it's silly. It's what it is. It's it's silly in a bad way. Like they're riding horses on the side of one of them. Like it's kind like that's kind of fun. Like them riding horses on the side. Of, I'm like, well, that's interesting and new and something I haven't seen before. So I did have a little fun with like that, like landing on a ship and trying to rate it. Well, that okay, way. okay, okay. Funny. Let me just let me just point that out too of how so they. The, the the plan is to to destroy the beacon so the fleet can't take off on Exegol, 
And then so they they start to go towards the beacon, and then the, the the Sith know that's what they're doing. So they then divert attention to the beacon on the lead cruiser. So then the the rebellion then focuses their attention on taking down that one. Why couldn't they just, when the rebellion was on that lead cruiser, just say, okay, switch it back to the others and let the fleet take off and destroy the galaxy? Like, why didn't you see like these massive plot holes don't make any sense at all? Like at that point, like little stuff like that doesn't bother me so much. This is the idea of it, like, okay, the big bad is there's a fleet of Death Star. Like, because also, like, if I. They did a bad job of marrying the two because Star Wars has always had the problem of like, okay, it's about this big like spaceship in space war battle, but also it is being held up by these like magic wizards, the space wizards, ninjas, like that. And the two stories like so that's why you look at like Return of the Jedi, like there's the big confrontation between the Sith and the Jedi happening in the throne room while the space battle is happening. Like while they are connected, they are just kind of separate stories happening at the same time. And this is one of the worst marriages of the two storylines that like, okay, the evil emperor is back. He is the baddest force user in the galaxy. He's going to take over Ray's body, snuff out the Jedi and be, be all the Sith and have all this power. And also he made a big old fleet. He just rose it out of the ground. Like, I mean, like, it's yeah, like- he's like, I've been building this for years. So that means he's had like factory and he's like reviewing blueprints. And he's like, <laughs> add more stripes on the side. Like, <laughs> The idea of him building a fleet as this like decrepit man in a harness is laughable. I love your I love your emperor voice too. (laughs) Add more stripes. Does it come in black? (laughs) Yeah, like. Oh man. Um, Okay. Yeah, it's it's just it's I think the worst marriage of the two. um, See, I don't. I can't know if I agree with you only because like again, after you get to the point where you just throw your hands up and just we got to make this movie, let's finish it. Like, what is it, you know, like, who cares at this point? I just think it looks cool, and I like what's going on. And, force, I mean, one of, the, one of the cooler things I thought they did, like, one of the coolest things I thought they did with this entire trilogy was not, not only are Ray and Ren able to talk to each other with the Force, but they can, like, they start to understand that they're both in two physical places, but they can, they can interact as if they're in the same place. And I thought that I, was cool. And then, of course, when, in this movie, when that's, He's chasing Ray, and Ray never reveals her location. But there's a scene when Ray's in his in his room on the ship, and because something is knocked over, he knows exactly where. Like I thought that was pretty cool. And then the, where the where they go with it with the lightsaber behind her back, and then he of course is outnumbered, being beaten by his his own people, the Knights of Ren, and then and then she like force gives him a lightsaber like come on again i agree that there's cool. a cool expansion of the force powers introduced by ryan johnson good point uh, whoa 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 let's not give credit where credit i mean we don't know we don't literally know that, that was introduced in the last movie <laughs> dumbass oh, okay okay fine i'll give you that but we don't know if that was jj's idea or it was ryan johnson's idea well okay so here's here's what i keep hearing when you talk about like oh <laughs> themes i'm sure ryan johnson was told to build on anything that you like in the second film you immediately assume that it wasn't ryan johnson who did it <laughs> yeah you you refuse to give credit for anything to ryan johnson you're like okay everything bad is ryan johnson everything well, forget, good is jj no, i don't i don't mean to come off like that but i don't know what when they sat down and jj's okay if you're to make this movie this is what he I was threw out JJ's script. JJ had thoughts, and he completely started from scratch from, by all reports. Okay, well then, fine. And I'll give credit to Ryan. Ryan let, let's give a little point to Ryan Johnson in that call. Because yeah, I, I thought because I, I really enjoy, that's another force expansion. A new power is them being connected, um, and I, I really like that. Because yeah, it, it was even physical in the last movie because he had like the rain on his glove and stuff. 
like they could they were starting to get connected enough that they yeah and then and then it built in this film that was some that was the one thing they didn't erase and i did appreciate that i did enjoy that i'm not sure why none of the knights of ren have lightsabers i thought they probably should have since they were also former students of luke's but that's me but also again the knights of ren went away with oh man the the, the knights of ren what's going on elvis the knights of ren were in were in episode seven but then went away for episode eight and then came, 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 came back in episode nine uh, when you say they were in, do you mean that one shot where they were just standing in the rain? You mean in episode seven? Yes. Well, they were still there, weren't they? They, they were in a shot in a flashback standing in the rain. But that's when they were introduced, wasn't it? The Knights of Ren were, that was kind of a big deal. They were mentioned, leader of the Knights of Ren, but I, as far as I saw, the only, they, they appear either in like one shot of a flashback or not at all. In the sen- They're mentioned in the seventh film. Uh, okay, well, maybe I'm just getting my timeline wrong because they were like, Knights of Ren was like an advertising thing too. They used too, once it was kind of a cool thing. So maybe I'm just getting my timeline wrong with what was introduced when. But um, I'm just saying that that's specific to JJ because he did it in seven and nine, and he made seven and nine. I, I, I would have liked to expand on more of Luke's students. I think that's a missed opportunity as well. I, th- I think well, it I mean, been... it, it, seven leads us to believe that the Knights of Ren are his former students because basically, well, when Luke is recounting the story. That basically the night Kylo left, he killed. He took some of his students with him and killed the rest of them. So, the idea is that the and I think this I think like expanded comic books and stuff confirm that the Knights of Ren are the other students who left with Kylo. What would have been interesting also to explore in these movies is find the other students, the ones that weren't killed. And I, I thought that would have been a kind of a cool built-in story too that they didn't explore ever. Interesting. Yeah, that I'm saying that that's something that I might have done with nine if I if I if I was going off of Last Jedi, but like, okay, well, Ray is now she has the books, she's the sole surviving Jedi. Uh, I mean, Leia aside, because uh, also then you have the issue of Carrie Fisher. Dying. That's the other thing. Like this movie is very hamstrung. I don't know what I would have done if I was a filmmaker, and they're like, yeah, sorry, Carrie Fisher passed away. I mean, tragedy. She's a great actress. She's a great writer. Um, you know, just on a human level, it's very sad that she died. But then on a story level, I'm like, yeah, it's tough that. You could have really used her to do a lot of different things, and you you're just hamstrung by that. So I, I honestly don't know what I would do if I was seeing their approach with the task of having rid of Leia, um, well, without yes. having her. That's I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it was cool that we they were able to like digitally insert her. Was for, it cool? Because I I found all her scenes profoundly clunky and well, lame. But they still they couldn't just start this movie with Leia died. Um, I would start this movie. I would start this movie with some type of battle, or something where Leia, like from off screen or over a radio, can make a sacrifice, and like save the resi- like make make a major gain, do something very good, save a lot of lives in a way while she's giving up her own life. And you don't need to use a lot of footage of her, and you could just use like some audio or a hologram or something of her, or a lot of like That's- back footage. That, yeah, that's what I would do. Instead of, instead of just like taking deleted scenes and then writing sentences so her response makes sense. Like the, the lines in the, the scenes are so clunky and like the, the few times she talks to Ray, Ray has like such weird lines to set up what, what Leia's about to say because it's from some deleted scene in a different scene. I agree. It is very clunky at times. But I mean, it's... I didn't... I, again, I just didn't... But... When the studio made that, when 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 she passed, unfortunately, the studio knew what they couldn't do, and what they couldn't do was exactly what I said. Just... Yeah, I, I don't think there's a good option. There's there's not really a good option there. Like no. in a in a perfect world, you would have written it so Leia is the one who passed away in the second film, and then 
you could have wrapped up her story in a satisfying way um in that one and like planned in, in advance um but unfortunately you know this the real world implications you know ramifications of that uh there's yeah i don't think there was a good way out of that situation no i i i, I agree i agree and then let's talk about the last glaring issue of the i think of the movie and i mean glaring is this that weird the weird like kiss in the end oh that's so with, bad well it's stupid it doesn't make any it's sense. so bad it just doesn't nothing in this movie nothing leading up to it says anything about a romance hints at all about a romantic thing nothing at all nope um and, and even when this movie and even when like very early in production of seven when this all oh, is like they're siblings they have to be simple i mean period because luke and leia both four letters both start with l okay siblings and then you're you're making a sequel trilogy where one of the major themes is family, and then it's Ray and Ren. R E Y R A N. Why is this not or R E N? Yeah. Why is this? Why are they not siblings again? JJ, please tell me. I need I mean, to know. I would have been. I would have been. I would have been rolling my eyes so hard. Uh, if, I would have hated that. If they were siblings. Yeah. But this, dumb. I'm not the one who fucking named them. I mean, he named them that way for a reason. So I'm. I'm guessing that was the original plan for them. Uh, once again, you keep acting like he has a plan. This is, this is a mad dog chasing cars. If he that's got fair. one, he would okay, know to do with that's it. That's fair. I'm and just... he, that's the problem. He got a car. He got a, he got, he's like, all right, conclude the story. He's like, how, how does someone do that? Well, I mean, the point is you, you can't blame someone for thinking that because of the original trilogy, right? No, that's fine. And once again, yeah, I understand people want, you know, that's why you know people were mad when things are different. So I, I understand. I, I don't have a problem with someone thinking that. I'm just saying that if they did another brother-sister secret pairing, I would have been like, oh, whatever. Okay. But he's the one set it up like that, but I'm glad like, they were. Like, write weren't. a new song. Come on. I mean, I'm, I'm even okay with the whole Jedi can bring people back to life and heal things, which with a sandworm, I don't understand what that was. I don't understand how that made it into the script or even why. Uh, that, because they, they, yeah, they couldn't think of a better way to introduce the power. Uh, honestly, I'm fine with it because I've played enough Star Wars video games to know that force healing is a power that's been around for a while. So I'm like, that's, okay. Again, fair. But I mean, they had to introduce it somehow before the end and... When then when Kylo gets when they're when they're fighting, which was a cool fight scene by like it's a cool setting, fighting on the Death Star with like waves lapping up on each side, cool setting, doesn't work because no matter what dialogue you write, those waves it would have been way too loud for anything to come through. But yeah. um, he gets stabbed through the stomach, which sorry, you're dead. Your insides are melted, you're dead, beyond repair, dead. Um, it's also one of those things that like every stormtrooper that gets shot in this movie, or any of these three movies, goes down in one blast. Mm-hmm. Poe gets shot. And he's fine. I mean, that's that's pre-existing from the others. I mean, yeah, Han Solo gets shot in the show. Like that's pre-existing. They're protagonists. That's that is basic epic storytelling. Like, yeah, sorry, yeah, our heroes course. don't go down from basic wounds. All the villains do. <laughs> One shot in body armor. Poe gets shot. No body armor. He's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, like I like I understand that you can point that out, but also that is just every story in the universe. And so we, well, see, I want to circle back to this. Just, but like, I also want to talk about General Hux for a minute. Of how I'm the spy. Yeah, it's me. I'm the spy. What a, what a great like like if you were trying to make a comedy, that'd be the greatest line ever written in cinema history. It's so funny when he stares at the camera and just shouts, "I'm the spy." I've never laughed so hard. It well, was a joy. I, I mean, again, it's one of the it's it's one of the dozen things. It's like, wait a minute, what? What? What in the first in the other other movies? evidence supports this at all give me any uh, well, uh, it's evidence. only happened because he fucking hates kylo ren he hates him so much yeah but like that wasn't how to end that 
period. Oh I mean, no, it, it was poorly handled. Like that, the idea though. Like I, I'm, I'm fine with the idea of him sabotaging Kylo Ren, but the way they did it was, I, don't, I literally laughed out loud. It was so funny. But why he wouldn't? I mean, why he would help him? There's no. Uh, yeah, it's he would have just killed Kylo Ren when he had the chance. He would have just waited until he had a chance and just killed him. Period. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's real dumb. It's real dumb. I mean, and the fact that they didn't trust us to understand it—that's the other thing. He didn't trust us to understand it when he helps him out. That he has to stare at the camera and say, "I'm the spy." Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. Is like, and then I love when Poe's like, "I knew it," and Finn's like, "No, you did not." And then then it immediately cuts away. Yeah. I thought that was great. Okay, back they to could the fly. Whole... They could fly now. Oh boy, some of these lines. Some <laughs> they can of these fly lines. now. They can fly. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just, yeah, she must. He must have been on another transport. Uh, some of these lines are just wild. By the way, while we're on talking about Oscar Isaac for a second, he's you, you know that he's Snake. Oh, Snake. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I had to connect. I assume Snake Plissken. <laughs> yeah, but like you, you and you and I have both have. I I don't agree with that at all. But that's 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 who they're going to be. Snake. I mean, no, I don't know why. I don't know why you're remaking that thing at all. But. No, no, the the, the 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 live the live action film. Oh, a solid snake. Okay. Yeah, without 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 the voice, you don't have a character. And that's what kills me about the the anyway, anyway, but he's snake. I didn't want to put that out Oscar Isaac, but um yeah, Oscar Isaac has some of the best and worst lines this entire uh sequel trilogy. A lot of his mm-hmm. lines are great, a lot of his lines are terrible, <laughs> like terrible. But I, I guess to, to to cap it all off, we'll 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 end by talking about the the Ray and Ren thing with the with the whole both fighting. I mean, why they why they both just stand there, sabers presented, allowing for the, the the big bad guy that shoots lightning to just dupe and kill them both right? Like it just why do you do this, JJ? Why do you keep doing this? It's just he had situation. the moment in his head, and like he he can he can do moments. Like he knows that fighting on the crash Death Star is cool. He knows that in the waves. He knows that like all the Jedi speaking to Ray and her standing up and having that is cool. And he's just like, whatever it takes to get him there, it's fine. It doesn't matter because <laughs> we get to the cool thing. Well, the whole thing with all the Jedi, even like the voices, like you could tell the individual voices of everyone who's come before. You know, young Anakin, young Anakin. Oh yeah, I'm glad they at least got the money to back it up and you know get all the people in the you know even for a day. Like, hey, Sam Jackson, I know you're on the set of you know whatever Disney Plus show you're doing right now for Marvel. Go ahead and say this into a microphone for us. Yeah, and the same uh, with like um, what's his um, Liam Neeson, like Liam, ten thousand yeah. bucks, and then Liam's like mm, hundred thousand, and then you you get three lines out of me. That's my deal. Take it or leave it. And they're you know, like, sure, time. whatever. We have infinite money. We're Disney. <laughs> We're Disney, and our movies. I'll make a billion dollars or more. Yeah, uh, so that, that that was really, that's the thing. So he knew that was cool, and he didn't really care how it gets there. So yeah, whatever. They get knocked over by lightning. It's fine. They get punked. It's cool. <laughs> and then there's this whole thing with, and then there's that one piece I love. I love the showdown. And then he just climbs out of the pit again and goes and brings her back. Wouldn't that have been funny if they just, I as I was watching this last time before this, wouldn't that have been funny if they just kept bringing each other back and dying? I mean, that would be funny. <laughs> I mean, was, that's that's the robot chicken sketch. <laughs> Um, but yeah. also a- after the after the Jedi Sith exchange, I also think the fight is not quite as cool because as as a buddy of mine pointed out, I was talking about these movies. He's like, "Ah, oh, yes, in this movie, Emperor Palpatine once again dies because he is unable to stop shooting Force lightning once he starts." <laughs> like in Return of the Jedi, he's just shooting lightning out of his hands as Darth Vader picks him up and just gets chucked down a pit. And then this one is like starting to melt his own face, and he's still shooting lightning out of his hand. Like, just stop shooting lightning, man. You're the thing that's hitting you now. <laughs> Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. I never considered that, but you're right. And, and all three, the, the, in the climax of all three trilogies, yeah, he's just incapable of stopping. <laughs> <first lightning laughs> he starts. 
<laughs> that's so funny. I can almost see that as a meme with like any, any kind of other bodily functions. But yeah, that's actually kind of funny. Um, the one thing I want to say, I, I have a lot of big problems. Like I said, as you know, I don't like him undoing all the stuff that I liked uh, in this one. I think it's kind of chaotic, but also that's just the attempt of him trying to do two movies in one, just getting pieces where he wants. Uh, but also, there's just a few little small aesthetic details that I don't know how any how you get wrong. How no one at Disney pointed this out. The fact that we introduce Ray fighting with a staff, and one of the most beloved things to come out of the prequel trilogies is the double-sided lightsaber, and they don't just give her a double-sided lightsaber. And even at the end, even if it's just at the end, it's baffling to me how she doesn't end up with it. Like that seems like such a small aesthetic choice that is so obvious and baked into the character who is trained all her life to fight with that staff that she would just get a lightsaber staff. But well, I'm I, I'm, I'm sure they took a poll. And the, I mean, I'm sure they have some kind of data that, that backs up that people prefer the the classic to the classic saber from the other weird ones that we've had throughout the whole whole I, Star Wars. I'm not gonna lie; I'm wondering if it is legit because if basically then if it's a double sided one, then the toys and replicas are going to cost more. And I wonder if they thought they would sell less if they made the more expensive version, and so they needed to keep it one sided so they would have the widest possible buying audience. Maybe like, or or JJ could be that. or JJ was like, no, I like the classic. We're we're sticking with classic. Uh, I could see that. Yeah, I guess that could be a JJ thing. But I'm like, you, you're the one who gave her a staff. You introduced this. You set this up. Yeah, I thought it was obvious. Yeah, but, well, but but I mean, as far as characters go, people don't like Darth Maul, do they? I mean, they like his character design. He doesn't do anything. I was excited. Like honestly, my favorite part of Solo was him coming back. I'm like, cool. Give me some movies of uh, Obi Wan show. I hope he's fighting Darth Maul. I would love that. I mean, we're past the point where, like, see, I thought for sure in the end of somehow we were going to see Liam Neeson again in in these movies or the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith. I thought for sure Liam Neeson was going to make a, but whether it, whether he didn't want to or they just didn't write it in or they weren't smart enough to realize that Liam Neeson is one of the best things that ever happened in Star Wars. Why would you let him go? Type deal. I don't know what it is, but I would have thought for sure. Besides his oh, voice, we would get I, th- I think I think he'll for sure show up in Kenobi. The re- honestly, legit. The reason we haven't seen him since then is no one who we've been following knows him. Like, it, unless he showed up in the prequel trilogy talking to Obi Wan, like Luke never met him. Like Ray doesn't know him. Like none of the characters now like have any direct connection to him. But I've, I, gar- I, I'm going to put money on it now in the Kenobi series. We will see Force Ghost Liam Neeson. I sure hope so. I mean, I put big money on that. Okay, okay, fair, fair. I mean, I'm not taking the bet against you. I'm just saying, you yeah, and I are in especially because he, he came in and did the voice. So clearly, he's amenable to getting a bunch of money from them. And I imagine like they can afford to pay him to come and shoot. Especially how how uh, they do on the soundstage now, like the way they filmed Mandalorian, where it's that like 3D sculpted space. Yeah. So it's legit. Just hey, come to this studio for two days of filming. Here's a, a you know a boatload of money and read these two pages of script and we'll put it all throughout the season. It'll be great. <laughs> it'll be great. Liam, it'll be great. It'll be great. It'll be great. Remember, remember Luke Lucas kept saying that? It, it, it'll be great. It'll be great. It'll, it'll be, be great. great. It's, like, it's like a poem. It rhymes. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, that is funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, so... uh, but yeah. That's the thing. Like On top of just the overall arc that I don't like in this film, just the little small details I don't even always jive with. Although, I will say, I love with my whole being Babu Frick. Yeah, who doesn't love Babu Frick? He's Babu Frick is the greatest thing that happened to cinema since the invention of the camera. <laughs> Fair. I mean, I don't think that's true, but I we mean, love Babu Frick. We do I, love more Babu Frick. Frick merch, please. Would you? Do you actually have any any to begin with? 
I don't. I I I just also gone to Star Wars Land. Ah, oh, that's a whole other podcast. Got to talk about how much I love Star Wars Land. Mm. Uh, it's so astounding. Podcast. It yeah. will blow your mind. Yeah. That's one thing I plan on visiting that in Harry Potter World. So both amazing. Yeah, I'm sure they are. So all right, let's start to wrap this up then. Let's. I think two and a half hours in. Let's. let's I think the failings are. Well, I also want to take some time to like, what do we think? I mean, honestly, if gun to your head, what do you think was the disconnect here? Like, if if Uh, if you had, if you you had to say in 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 a few sentences or less, what was the problem? Why these movies didn't jive well with each other? Um, planning is number one. Like, you they didn't plan three episodes from the beginning, uh, and then. I think overreaction to the response to Last Jedi. Okay. Because I think you could, I think you could have done a movie that was more in line with J.J. Abrams' sensibilities and more in line with Force Awakens and kind of what Star Wars fan, what the fan base wanted, without having to so hard, so harshly undo everything from Seven that it took up so much real estate in your film and made it so quick and clunky to get through some stuff. I think you could have, I think you still could have made a movie that like, okay, that happened. And now we're going to have this kind of fun adventure that you guys want. I can see that. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this just got nervous. Like, well, they want what they want. Let's get the guy back. They seem to like the last one. Let's get JJ Abrams back. Let's do that. Throw out Colin Trevor's crazy ideas. Let's get rid of this. Obviously because JJ, I mean, and I, I mean, this might be me remembering wrong, but I can remember like even him, he did not want to do episode nine at oh, all. No. Um, which is yeah, very, I think I, he, he made the story films he want, which is very much like, like, you know, as much people say, you know, it's, it's remaking a new hope. Like that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to make that kind of movie and he did it. And he's like, well, I don't want to do that sort of thing again. He, he made the movie he was happy with, which is fine. Uh, and like, Honestly, maybe they should have got someone else. Maybe J.J. Abrams was too tied up, and I'm sure studio notes would have hurt anyone. I'm sure there were a lot of studio notes by the time we got to episode nine. I'm sure they were. I'm sure they exceeded to the point where they could address all of them. Because I mean, at some point, as a, as an executive, you have to say, okay, eight is pretty universally loved or hated. There's nothing in between. How? Do, where do we go from here? Yeah, that's then, wild. That that is that is a tough call. I'll give them that uh, because there's not a lot of people who are like, yeah, it's pretty good. They're, they're, that's no not one. really a opinion you get a lot. Yeah, it was no one. You either loved it or you hated it. Period. Mm-hmm. And I'm you love it. I didn't. I just I thought I hated it. I thought it was the opposite of love. So mm-hmm. that's just my whole thing with that. And I'm very glad we got to talk about this, Brandon. It's something. It's a conversation that you and I haven't had to have over the years. Is the 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 new Star Wars movies? Oh yeah, and this. I mean, I knew going in. That's the thing. When I saw it, when I saw Last Jedi, and then this, I was like, I was like, okay, I know like who the people I know are gonna love and hate this. And back in my mind, I knew it was like, okay, I was like, yeah, I bet Grayson hated this one. Well, but I, I'm surprised that I'm surprised that you loved it. Truth be told, because it, it it doesn't it does a lot of things that are just not like it's just not right in the Star Wars universe. I don't. That's the thing. I don't. I don't have a right in the Star Wars universe. That I don't. I don't. I don't hold things so sacrosanct like that. Fair. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I. I. I I'll give you that. I mean. And honestly, as, I might be like. It's probably different. I. I don't have as clarity, and I don't have as many examples. But I'm. I was probably different when we first met. Like, because you know, when you're you're a teen, you know, you're a little, you know, harsher on things. You have a, a. You know, you're more committed in your view of the world. And at this point, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm. I'm a little more mellowed out than I was back then. I think we both are. Yeah, very much actually. So, yeah, so I probably was. I probably, I probably would have had stronger stances when I was younger. Um, you know, 
So now I'm just like, yeah, I, I like this. I like doing different things. And yeah, so there we are. So let's 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 move, of course, to scoring this last one then, and then score the whole trilogy as a trilogy. So uh, I, I I don't know. I guess it's one of five. Like there's fun light show stuff, but it's it's just a movie to me. That's fair. I, I mean, five is not an uncommon score because like, it's competently made. Like the cameras in focus. There's like film technique to putting it together. I just don't care for a lot of it. I mean, so, that's, yeah, that's, that's that's fair, fun. and I understand. I mean, I'm going to give this one a slightly higher as a six, only because I like, keep in mind I gave the other two a seven or a seven and a half. So like, I just I, I I recognize that this one is the worst of the three. If you follow like if you look at quality of film, but to me this is the most fun two. Because it's, I mean, you, you you have the built-in advantage of the 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 being the series, well, being the the Skywalker saga finale and the finale of this trilogy of, you know, big set pieces, you know, big flashy. They spared no expense, um, you know. The you you have that advantage, which I'm not sure is an advantage. It's not all the time, but for Star Wars, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. It's just. So few things in this movie make any sense, but damn it, if it's not one of those caveman fun movies, it's just every part of my brain's like, yeah, lights, flashing, lightsabers, big space battles, love it, go. But I mean, it's uh, I didn't know how they were going to wrap up. This movie could have been a whole lot worse. It, it 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 could have been as bad as it is, and not as fun. Can you imagine that? That's true. It could have taken itself way more seriously than it did. Like it's kind of melodramatic, and it could have just been dramatic. So that would have been way I agree. worse. It would have been a whole lot worse. But scoring the overall trilogy, then giving it one number, zero to ten. Ah, uh, just because it's so disjointed, it's probably gonna have to be like. Even though I graded all the films like mostly higher, it's probably gonna be like a six, maybe six five. Yeah, I I, I would put it right at a six. I put the original yeah, trilogy. Probably at an eight or eight and a half, maybe maybe nine. Um, yeah, so eight to nine range. Yeah, and then the the, the prequel trilogy probably somewhere between a three and a four. It's hard. Prequels might be like uh, at this point because th- there there's fun to be had. So I might be close to like a four or five, maybe even a five on those at this point. That's what I'm always said though. Like those are, I mean, those are easily watchable movies. There's there's not a whole bunch of complication with them. It's just put them in, go put it in the background while you're doing something else, and just enjoy it for what it is. You know, I mean, at least they had Ewan McGregor. At least they yeah, had like Ewan, Ewan McGregor's McGregor. great. I'm so glad he's getting like, I, while it's kind of a joke, like we're spitting off every single character and giving everyone a backstory. Like that's the one that we've all wondered for years. Like, yeah, give me Obi Wan Kenobi because the idea of that you of you McGregor just like sitting on Tatooine for thirty years not doing anything bums me out. Well, but then again. They, it's so hard because whatever they if they have the material they have to dig from is, is what he says in the beginning of, of of a new hope. Otherwise, it doesn't matter what peril you put him in; it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess we'll see. Uh, I, for one hand, can still enjoy stories where I'm not afraid someone's going to die. Like, yeah, I know he's going to live. Well, it has nothing to do with not about him dying. It's the fact that he never references any of it, or talks about it, or anything. And that, I guess, is what bothers. I mean, isn't that what Clone Wars attempts to fill in that the, the animated series? I, I've not watched the animated stuff. I know friends who have, and they love it. And I mean, that's why Ahsoka's now in, in canonized, and that's why uh, you know Thrawn is coming because people loved him from the books. So, uh, Actually, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm not the one to talk about that. I am, I am sort of a film only person at this point. I intend to watch the other shows, I, and well, I guess I've watched Mandalorian as well because Mandalorian. Do, do, you know, do you know how many things are in my? I intended to watch it pile like. At that, at this point, probably like a thousand things, if not more. Fair, yeah. I think we're all time. there. Yeah, 
yeah. books to read, things to watch. Oh my gosh. Probably you got to talk about Star Wars for two and a half hours. <laughs> That's funny. We're talking about time wasted. This is, I don't believe it's time wasted. It's just, it's, it, it, it's, it's fun. I, I hope someone listening finds this as fun as well and was able to laugh with us. And I'll see if nothing else, it was good to get a chance to chat Star Wars with you, bud. Yeah, man. Always, 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 always. Well, the question is, what are we doing next? Oh, boy. Uh, that's up to you. Once again, my brain is in a fog of uh, getting ready for my show. So That's fair. Uh, yeah, let's do, just... Do you let's, want to do let's, like another... Go, 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 go ahead. Say, do you want to do another serious deep dive or just like a general topic? Or what, what are you thinking? Maybe we should do like an individual film that we both like. Deep dive. You know, I was thinking... I, I, I kind of want to get your opinion on Dragonheart for a long time. I'm trying to think of it. The Sean, I Sean Connery. I was trying to think of the last time I've watched Dragonheart. Yeah. I mean, I'd be down for watching that. I, I, I say I can watch a since we're not doing it like weekly. I can do like a movie and uh, yeah. make sure I have. Oh, well, let's let's do Dragonheart and then let's do Dragonheart and then you will uh, and then after that episode, it'll be your turn to pick one. All right, that works. All right then. So Dragonheart then. Well, well, Brandon, it was a pleasure to chat for you for these almost three hours. I didn't. I honestly didn't expect it to go. That I thought maybe ninety minutes at the most, but. Oh, I knew I knew once we start, you know, because I, 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 we both have strong opinions on this. So I start, you know, and this is something I was prepared for. It is not, you know, a, a top 10 this or that that I wasn't ready for. I was like, OK, I'm ready to talk Star Wars. I know what's going on now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Brandon, well, this um, thank you for joining me today to talk about Star, the last three Star Wars movies. And by, I mean, we did spend 30 minutes talking about things before. We even got yeah, to the Star whole Wars. thing. Yeah. So thank you for joining me today, Brandon. It was a pleasure. Happy to. And um, I hope everything's going well with your show, and we will reconvene at a later time. Yep. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.